1: trap 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 What's up people?
2: Adam Hunter here. And listen, I'm out of the country but this week I want to do some of my favorite interviews I've ever done because I love doing this show. It's, I've done this show for over five years. Uh, I love talking to my favorite fighters. I love talking to the fans. I love MMA. And uh, I don't know. just love life right now. I love my wife. I love my baby daughter. I love my dog and my three cats. And uh, I thank you for listening. So right now I'm out of the country, but I want to talk to some of my... I'm not going to talk to anybody. I want to play some of my favorite interviews I've ever done, uh, starting with Kevin Randleman. Kevin Randleman was one of my favorite fighters and my favorite interviews. He, rest in peace, what a great guy. What an inspiring guy. I love that guy. I love his wife. He's a beautiful man, beautiful family, beautiful kids, just a a great person. So uh, rest in peace, Kevin Randleman, because you are an awesome human being. Uh, Also, Henzo Gracie, another... Fantastic legend of the sport. We're going to talk to him. Well, we're not going to talk to him. I'm going to play the time when I did talk to him a couple years ago. First, I want to thank our sponsors uh, Speedweed. Listen, marijuana is legal in California. Okay. You can get it delivered to you. Don't leave your house to go get it, to go to a dispensary, to stand online, to pay for parking, to pay for gas. No. Get it delivered right to you. They have everything, everything you need when it comes to. Marijuana or CBD or edibles, they will deliver it to you, okay? Go to speedweed.com, follow them at Speedweed. They have they have weed coffee, they have marijuana, they have THC sex lube. You name it, they have it and they will bring it to you. Mention MMA Roasted, you get $10 off, $100 or more. The guy Gino is the guy in charge. He is a great human being, okay? And he will take care of you. So, Speedweed, follow them. Also, Santa Cruz Medicinals, potent CBD infused coconut oil, olive oil, MCT oil, vape pens and more. It's gluten-free. It's vegan, it's paleo and sugar-free and it's lab tested. Okay? This stuff is unbelievable. Go to scmedicinals.com, mention roasted, it's $5 off $100 or more and uh, when you order the $100 or more, I'm telling you, they they they're awesome. Okay? They're they're good people and they have all kinds of great stuff. They have they have, uh, uh, I'm looking at right now, they have uh, coconut oil. They also have like face cream, okay? So you could actually put it on your face. You look better. Your, your skin clears up. Uh, they have vape pens. They have all kinds of stuff. They have, I'm looking at this thing right now. They have single CBD infused clay mask, that, which has three simple ingredients, single source French green clay, real lavender, and CBD, okay? Make your skin tight, all right? Treat your skin right. So, Check them out. Good people. Now, let's hear the uh, interviews I did with Kevin Randleman as well as Henzo Gracie, two legends of the sport. Once again, rest in peace, Kevin. Uh, You're the band. And also, by the way, if you want to see me do comedy, I will be touring all over the world, all over the country. I'll be in Reno, Nevada next week, Um, and then in April, uh, April 19th, 20th, I believe, I'm going to be in... Uh, The Black Box Theater in Boca, Boca Raton, Florida. Uh, I'm in New York uh, City, May 17th at the Gotham Comedy Club, uh, doing like a virtual reality comedy show, which is pretty awesome, but I'll be in New York that week. Uh, In June, I will be in Arizona as well as Minnesota. And uh, you can check out my schedule at adamhunter.com. And if you shop on Amazon, go to adamhunter.com, then click on the Amazon banner. If you want to hear my CD, okay, Adam Hunter Still Broke. It's on uh, Pandora. It's on Spotify. You can download it. Adam Hunter Still Broke. Listen to it. All right, let's get to the interviews. Thank you. All right, so we have one of the legends of MMA, former UFC champion, just a complete badass, a guy that I grew up watching, and uh, I'm thrilled to have him on. It actually, the guy was following me on Twitter and said, why don't you roast me? And uh, it was Kevin Randleman. And I'm like, holy shit, Kevin, the monster Randleman. I am so pumped to have Kevin Randleman on the show. How are you, Kevin? I'm good, depending on how the show goes. <laughs> nice. Uh, now, Kevin, I was watching some of your videos, man. Holy, I, stuff that you have accomplished. Uh, I was watching you just you know, knock out Crow Cop uh and some and that 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 fedor slam i mean you you're definitely one of uh one of the most powerful best athletes i've in the history of mixed martial arts i feel like you're very underrated uh and people the people don't really know about uh, well some of the new guys don't know about about how uh how much of a badass you are man uh but let's let's get uh, let's get to the the, the uh, beginning man so you you uh, grew up you had 11 there were 11 kids in your house
3: I'm um, not in the house. Remember, I was one of the youngest ones.
2: My daddy was a, my papa was a Rolling Stones. <laughs> uh, <laughs> was... Oh no! I think we lost him. Uh, maybe I uh, offended him by the first question. <laughs> uh, uh, fuck. You said, but dad was wrong because he was black. No, let's call him back. Hello. All right, so Kevin. <laughs> Hi. Yeah. Sorry about that. Oh, it's all good. So oh. you, so you, there were eleven kids in your family. Yes. I mean, was that, was that hard? I mean, because I, 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 was, I was reading something that said that you actually got into a lot of fights in the, in the uh, streets growing up. You, you uh, grew up, you were sort of poor.
3: Um, I grew up in, I can't say that I grew up in the streets because my mom would beat my ass and get me home. <laughs> so so she, was, uh, she was really good at protecting us from, from that. But uh, I love my brothers and sisters and I wanted to do and be what they were. So um, I got brothers, I got sisters, and brothers that are in jail for uh, being kingpins and queenpins, and I got a brother that's secret service. So every end of the spectrum we have in my family.
4: Where do you uh, Where do you fall in line as far as age? And that was eleven.
3: Second to the youngest.
4: Oh, you're almost a baby.
2: I am a baby. <laughs> <laughs> now in high school. Yeah, right? my wife, I, I was looking at your, I was like your, at your high school wrestling uh, statistics. You were you were one hundred and twenty two and eleven in high school wrestling. That's crazy. Uh, you were a state yep. you were the uh, state champion of o- Ohio. Uh, then you went to college, and your freshman year you took second in the NCAA's. You won it your second year. You won it your third year. But your senior year you couldn't wrestle because of grades we can say it was grades but i'm gonna say it was my mental explain
3: um i had a baby i i i, I had a son when i was in high school and that bitch was crazy <laughs> and every chance she got every chance she got i was either in jail or or, or in trouble for something that she would say but uh um when i was in college i would go home every weekend Because my father, he was battling addiction and uh, I would go home to make sure he was good. And if he wasn't good, I'd go beat the shit out of the drug dealers that would give him whatever uh, and stuff like that. You know, I'm a family man. I love my family. So I will live and die. You know, my life is nothing if my family's not good. So I do what I do with my body. And that's why fighting so easy for me.
2: Nice. So, so your your your, uh, your ex your your baby mama was putting you in jail. I mean, how 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 often did did you have you have to go to jail? Listen, Dana White,
3: Tito Ortiz is there, He should send this fucking chick a fucking thank you basket because if it wasn't for her, he wouldn't have fucking held the title as long as he did. He and I were supposed to fight, and I was put in jail by this chick because. I was making money now. I was fighting for custody of my son, and the only way that she could win is if I was in jail. So I was in, she put me in jail and said that I threatened to kill her and my son. Wow. I mean, at least she should, she should have at least said she, that I threatened to kill her, not my son, because that didn't make any sense.
1: Right.
2: So you're, in, so you're ranked number one in the country wrestling. You, you're a defending champion, and, then now you're, and now you're in jail. How did guys try to test you in jail?
3: <laughs> I don't listen. I don't think. I don't think I'm a badass, fellas. I believe that I'll keep it real, and I will never ever in my life f- back down from a fight. So wherever I'm at, if you want to f- test me, please test me. I was tested once. A dude stabbed me in the hand with a pencil, <laughs> and I was in jail.
4: And how did that end up for him?
3: I knocked the f- out of his ass. <laughs> I, I was in I was in solitary the rest of my time in jail. <laughs>
2: Wow. Now, how pissed were you when you couldn't wrestle your senior year?
3: Well, honestly, it wasn't that I was pissed because I had so many things that I was worrying about. Um, you know, uh, my wife says you shouldn't say this and that, but I like to be honest with everybody. You know, when when I was a kid, I was ADD like crazy, and I never even knew what there was just, I didn't understand it. And then as I got older, now, I've been in therapy for, for a long time, dealing with things. Um... I, uh, Sandusky, Ohio, was a very racist ass place. And when I was a kid, I was eight. I was in the eighth grade, and f- some dudes caught me and thought it was funny to, shoot, to pretend like they were going to hang me. And uh, I'm sitting there scared, crying. And when I fall off of this crate and don't get hung or whatever, they start laughing and just run off. That shit wasn't funny, and it started to ma- it created a f- monster. Now, when I was in high school, I had a, a cop, uh, you know, try and kill me. Literally, off-duty cop, whacked out on drugs, tried to kill me. Nothing happened to him. These things contribute to me being a monster. And then when I go back home and see all the things going on and going wrong and my father battling addiction and people still trying to give him stuff, that was my first priority, not school. Because, you know, I mean, I did what I came to the school to do. Now, now today, my regret is that I didn't get my degree because I come 60 kids right now, and next year I plan on having 120. And when those kids come up, I need to be able to tell them college is more important than anything, and I need to get my degree in order to preach what I'm saying.
2: Yeah, no, dude, you're a legend, man. I mean, you I, honestly, and like, I was, I was watching like so many of your fights last night, and uh, you know A lot of times when I have people on the show, it's like three in the morning, four in the morning. I go to watch the fights, and I love watching fights. But your fights are at a different level of watching fights. Like there is a certain excitement that you brought to that octagon and that ring that it's almost like it's very mike tyson-esque where you knew that someone was getting knocked the fuck out um
3: <laughs> without a doubt i right i say, i say that that's one of my pitch lines someone is getting knocked
2: the fuck out yeah uh now but but i but I, I i i was watching some of your interviews and you know you you're, you're very, you are very hard on yourself like you said that your career wasn't what it could have been uh, that there were guys around you that didn't, know, that didn't know what you were doing wrong and that you wish someone ha- would have told you what you were doing wrong? Uh, what are some of those things? I can guarantee you
3: that successful people are successful not because of the yes-men around them, but because of the people that call them a dumbass. And I had a lot of people around me that kind of... I, I don't care about being loved. I could give a shit if you love me but if you respect me, you will fear me. You know what I mean? That makes sense to me, I don't know if it does to you. Yeah. So all my life, I didn't give a shit if you loved me. I never ever been in love, my, ever. Girls were girls, and girls were just as good as, as worse as guys. My girlfriends, three dudes in a week, I call them pimps, not hookers. So, um, the guys around me, I was in the UFC, and there were there were guys in my locker room doing drugs, bitches. This is before the UFC, uh, UFC became the for this organization, and they built it up into the great program that it is. But back in the day, man, guys would come in, and I had a posse of people that were, you know, some of them were killers and some of them were bad, but um, I also had guys in my, my corner that were just there, and they were yes men. But they, they like to do things that, I mean, I'm not this big. I'm not a party animal, but I can party. You know, I know how to party. And uh, there's a time and a place. And when I got a, when, on fight day, I don't expect anyone around me doing drugs around me because they think it's cool because because I'm Kevin and I don't fucking give a fuck.
2: Now, who are these guys doing drugs and fucking bitches in the locker room? Come on, come on, man. <laughs> Why are you gonna ask me that question, big dog? I mean, come on. People want to know who these people were. I tell you what,
3: you want to know who these people are? My book is gonna... My book... My book is going to paint a picture of myself, probably of not being the greatest guy. But at the end of the day, if you meet me today, you'll understand that the journey that I went through from the day I was born to the day, it was a good journey and a great journey for me. Not so great for everyone around me, but
2: for me, the journey was, the journey is a great journey for me. Now, why do you hate Tito Ortiz so much? Because he's a f***ing (laughs) No,
3: stop holding back, man. Tell us how you really feel. Listen, listen. I grew up, I, I don't care what anyone says. I can die just like the next motherfucker. But when it comes down to it, I respect every fucking guy that puts the ring, gets in that cage and fights. Why? Because it ain't easy. For me, it's easy because I'm a bipolar motherfucker. I love to fight <laughs> I've, 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 I have fought cops in my life Believe me I don't give a fuck If you call me a f- in public And you think I ain't gonna touch you I'll touch you You and your boys can do whatever But at the end of the day You're not gonna risk me, Intimidate me You're not gonna bully me I don't like men that beat women I don't like men that disrespect kids And try and bully them I'm fucking against anything That fucking people wanna bully people in And Tito Ortiz The bitch ass motherfucker he is Mark Coleman was walking into the ring to fight Randy Couture. Tito was on the side. And Tito forgets all the people that helped his little bitch ass as he was coming up and cared about him. Now, the fight was over. Tito Ortiz gets up and thinks that he's a big man. I'm watching from my seat. I'm with my wife and my boys in my house watching it. And I'm in Vegas. When I heard him say, you sorry, motherfucker, blah, 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 I put my clothes on. I got dressed the fuck up and went out looking for that bitch. If I would have found him, I would have whooped his bitch ass. I go out by myself. I don't need a posse to go out with. And if I get beat down by a crew, then fine, so be it. I'll be back soon. Tino Ortiz goes out with a crew, he acts tough. When Tino's by himself, he acts like a fucking bitch. Always being respectful. I'm a disrespectful motherfucker if you're a disrespectful bitch. And that's who he is. Tito and I met each other years ago. I met his wife, his first wife. She's an awesome woman. Awesome woman. Gave Tito her life. Gave him everything. And Tito's bitch ass and her got married. And when they were in the Bahamas or Jamaica driving around on a scooter, they got hit by a bus and almost got killed. And this is the type of man I am. I called them as soon as they told me. I called Tito's house I left a message on his voicemail and said, hey, Tito, I'm praying for you. Trisha. I think I might even have prayed on the phone. And I said, if anything you need, you call me. If you need your ass wiped, you call me, I'll come wipe it. And only to see a couple weeks later or a month later, he did an interview stating that I'm a steroid monster freak. I didn't start taking juice too long after my career. And college was over, and and well into my UFC career, I started taking uh, st- uh, a little bit of testosterone again because I'm depleted of mine. But the bottom line is, why am I pissed at Tito? Because he fucking because he did just that. Yeah, I'm willing to fucking I'm willing to leave my family to come help him get better in rehab. And this bitch says that. So I saw Trisha, his wife, at a uh, at a. Uh, a fight. And she said, I can't believe he said that I am so mad at him. And, and you know, he, she was really that. And shortly after that, they went together. I think she realized that Tito was a fucking bitch-ass. <laughs>
1: Excuse
3: my language. Sorry, I sorry, love sorry. This guy. I, didn't mean, I didn't mean to say that So everyone no. out there. I do not condone saying shit like that. I'm just really hot right now. I'm pissed. When I hear his name, I want to just put my hands on him.
2: Hmm. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I love it, Kevin. I love it. it real. Kevin Rannoman. Man, you are uh, you, you are the, my new favorite guest. Okay, so uh, now now uh, let's go through more of your career because I, lo- I I freaking love him. Well, you. Got him, you got him
4: all heated now. He doesn't want to go back to regular talking. He wants to beat someone's ass. All right, Tom Erickson. No,
3: no, no. Believe me. I've been in therapy for a long time now Dealing with my anger It's definitely working I, just, <laughs> I just place my anger ah, I just place my anger and put it on the wrong people My wife deserves My wife and my
2: family deserve the best of me So people that do st- shit that are fucked up I'm going to give them what they deserve Now is this why you were so mad at Matt Riddle? Um, the Matt Riddle thing hey that was a misunderstanding believe me fellas it was
3: just a misunderstanding and we squashed it and I follow him and I hope he gets back uh, I hope he gets back on track and does what he does but just like him I like smoking weed once in a while too nice. we all know that when you're in the when you're in the business that business's rules are law yeah. and if you break the law the rules are going to have to be applied to you but I like Matt Riddle okay. um, I like him like I said, it was a misunderstanding, and it got squashed. So absolutely no no, no hatred towards that, man. I didn't even have hatred there. I don't hate people. I just want to get at
4: you. <laughs> Could you imagine him coming after you? No. Like if he said something about him on Twitter, I, no, and he was I, like, I'm going to
2: beat the I, out of this mother. I would, I, I would <laughs> Adam leave, Hunter's a dead man. I, 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 I would leave <laughs> the country. <laughs> if Kevin no, Randleman no, was uh, after uh, me. Oh, my God.
3: No matter how much we want to joke about it, there are people out there that say, oh, I keep it real. I keep it real. Fucking lying bitches. What? You keep if
4: it you real. If you keep
3: it real, you are the same person you are every day. My wife still loves me even though I'm
2: a crazy son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> your, your wife is quite a woman. Quite a woman.
1: Oh, man.
3: Trust me. My wife is heads and shoulders above everybody. She's 6'2", 6'3",
2: without heels. Wow. Sexy, bitch. Sex, I'm a sexy woman. She, she was your publicist, too, right? Man, she's my boss. Yeah, she's your boss. Nice. Now, let's talk about some of your fights in uh, Brazil. Now, you start, Now your first MMA fight, the guy wasn't even wearing gloves? yeah.
3: No, I think it was the second one, though. The second I one. I get those a little mixed up. My first fight was second fight. I think the first tournament that I was in, we wore gloves. The second tournament I fought and I lost, and I lost to Calo Moreto. And I believe that was the fight that we didn't wear gloves. But one of them, we didn't have gloves on, and I was screwed up, dude. I didn't come home for 30 days.
2: Where were you? Uh, and, and I, I was in Brazil, kicking and living the vida Loco. <laughs> that must have been awesome. <laughs> It was above
3: awesome. Let's call it
2: heavenly. Yeah, you must have got My so God. much tail. What part of Brazil? What'd you say? You, you must have got so much tail in Brazil.
3: Oh yeah, I was fishing for red tail all day long. <laughs> oh, you mean booty? Booty, oh, you mean sex?
2: Yeah, sex. Yes, yes. <laughs> I even did a little fishing. <laughs> That's good, man. Fishing and pussy. That's you can't cannot go wrong with that. Hey, right.
3: listen, hey fellas, I tell you what, for me. When I went to Brazil, it made me think that that was how it was going to be. So I was preparing myself for battle every single time. When it went down to fighting one fight in one night, it was a freaking breeze. Wow. I, I mean, I'm one fight in one night, I'm used to fighting groups of crews in fucking bars.
4: Jesus. Yeah. I don't
3: back down. I don't back down. Val Vidal said it best. Never give up. Never give up. And I'm never going to give up. You will knock me the fuck out, or I'm going to knock you out. But at the end of my fight, when we shake hands, you're going to be like, "Wow, maybe don't want to fight that
2: dude again." <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want to fight you the first time. <laughs> um, now, now Tom Erickson. Now Tom Erickson's a, uh You know, he's he's a wrestler, a, a big time wrestler. Strong McCorkle told me that Erickson still beats up him and Matt and Matt Matreon now. Uh, now you fought Tom Erickson back in the day, correct? Any, anything you want to talk about that fight? Um, other than the fact that he knocked me out, <laughs> uh, it
3: was a good. Going into the fight, I knew that I didn't want to try up with his ass.
2: Yeah, he's a big dude. I knew yeah. that
3: because, hey, he's an Olympian dude. Uh, I know, I know how, I know how good he is. I've known him even when I was in high school, so I respected his size, his strength, his in his stamina. I just wanted to punch him in the face and hopefully get him a little uh, nervous. But I punched him and went too, got too close to him, and he got me in that front choke. He, I was out on my feet. I don't even remember anything after the first punch, and then I just remember waking up in the back, going, "Oh, come on, let's go." He's like, "All oh, right, Mark gave me a hug and said it's over, man." I said, what happened? He's like, you didn't win. Oh, shit. Fuck off, man. Dang it. And he just gave me a hug, a big, long hug, and said, it's all right, man. You you, you fought well. Yeah. That was one thing Mark Coleman was always good at. He was always good at making me say, fuck it. One match don't mean
2: nothing. Get no, over it. Yeah, that match is coming. Yeah, you and Coleman. Coleman was your uh, your wrestling coach at Ohio State. It, actually, when I, when, I, when I saw Coleman selling his pride trophy last week, I, I kind of— uh, it, it kind of made, 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 yeah. He's selling his pride trophy he's for cash. on uh, eBay. I think he might be strapped for cash, and it's, it was kind of sad in a way. was yes, like, oh. Hey, you know what?
3: Um, you know what? This, this and again, I remember I'm the guy that keeps it f***ing real. <laughs> Mike DeSavino, punk ass motherfucker. I don't dislike him because hey, he's a businessman. That's the but guy from Embrace his the company, grind, right? His company. He made the money he made, and he, made, he got the company he got. I was in the hospital, and I was dying. My liver, and my kidneys and stuff was failing. He calls my wife. She gives me the phone. He says, how hard is it to get into MMA you know, clothing? There? I said, it ain't hard at all. What you got to do is you got to get a couple of big-name guys, wear your gear, and uh, hopefully and, and it'll take off. It'll take off. So, first mother he hires. Me, I'm in my hospital room. I said, "Hey, just so that you know, when you sell this company, motherfucker, I want my money." Said, oh Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about it later. Okay, okay. I said, "I want my money." He said, "Okay." So, Mark Coleman jumps on board. Mark Coleman and Kevin Random get Dan Henderson, Quentin Chuck and them, and then Mike DeSavado forgets who the f helped him get there. So, Mark Coleman would not be broke right now if he would have just took my advice and sued Mike DeSavado's ass for fing for f- f- breach of contract. There was a gentleman's agreement, but we got him that fing, that whole entire company wouldn't be shit if it wasn't for us. Cause we helped him build it. We were the fucking guys that got the other guys on point. So, Mark, give me a call, motherfucker. You want your money? Let's go get it.
4: <laughs> You're talking. Uh, Mike DeSavado is the guy that owns uh, Cage Fighter, right?
3: Mike DeSavado is the guy that owns a big ass
2: head. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now your boss Rootin fight that. I think was the biggest. That was the worst decision I've ever seen. Honestly, like like banging Kim Winslow over Brittany Palmer is a better decision than than, than what? that. What? Whoa, 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 whoa! Back that up. What'd you say? I said banging Britney Palmer, oh uh, banging Kim Winslow over Brittany Palmer is a better decision than your fight than that fight. You 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 got screwed in that fight, man. That oh Boz Reutin fight. Wait, wait,
3: wait, let's get back to banging. banging Winslow and I'm sorry, but she, when you put banging
2: involved, I don't see how banging could be a bad thing at all. Well I'm just saying, like, <laughs> let's say you'd had sex with Kim Winslow, you could have had sex with Brittany Palmer, but you chose Kim Winslow. Right? I, I would say that, that that's a that's a pretty bad decision. Correct? Okay. I'm just, my, I'm just, this is just to my wife.
3: Baby, if you're listening, just remember, I'm all about you. Yeah,
1: I guess you guys
2: are right. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. Somebody, please give, give Kevin Randleman his own TV show. Fox Sports, if you're listening, Kevin Randleman needs his own show. Done. Um, Kevin Done. Randleman <laughs> needs it. No, but seriously, that's, that's, that's the name of the show, keeping it real with Kevin Randleman. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Anything I can do to help this guy. So, Who's but now Boz Root and, uh, that was ridiculous. Come on.
3: Um, you know what? Again, if, if fighters out there that are listening, Dana White said it once and said it best. If you don't want to have the judges involved, and don't let the judges be involved. Go out there and do your job. And I could have, I mean, honestly, during that fight, if you watch it, they stopped that fight a couple times. And Boss Rudin, they asked him, and Boss Rudin was... This is what shows to test the fortitude of a man. That's why Boss, Boss Rutten is, is a legend. Because they said, we got to stop the fight. You want to stop the fight? And each time they ask, he said, no. I'm going to get this guy tired. He's going to get tired, and I'm going to take him out. So the decision itself, I don't agree with. But the decisions that Boss Rutten were
2: making during that fight makes me respect him and makes me say I'm very proud to say that he and and I are very good friends. Didn't he lie to you, though? Didn't, like, you guys have a gentleman's agreement in the elevator? Yeah, we did. You sure did, we on that one. Yes, like, (laughs) what what happened was, like, you guys met in the elevator, and he said, and you said, all right, no kicking, and he said, okay, and then he kicked you right away.
3: (laughs) Well, he didn't, he, no, no. He didn't kick me right away, but he sure woke me up right away. I don't recall whether he was on the elevator or I was on the elevator, but the doors opened and there we were. And one, of, you know, we were like, oh, we'll take the next one. But before the door shut, I said, hey, if you want to, if you want to, because everyone will say Randall won't stand up and box that. That's all I do is fight with my hands. I don't go and wrestle. I don't wrestle people in the street. I knock them down and let them get back up to knock them down again. you they have done. So I said, hey, if you want to stand up, just don't kick me, because it's a natural reaction for me to take you down. You know, I didn't say all that, but he said, okay. And boy, I was sitting there waiting. I was in the corner. I was like, man, Mark said, take you down. I said, no, nah, man, if you want to stand up, you're going to stand up. And uh, I come running across the ring like I always did, and I fucking saw his back heel come up, and I knew something. Uh, when he put that foot out there, I, I, I even said, I said, oh, you motherfucker. <laughs> and then that was it. I just took him down, and we we were on the ground. If it was a
2: twenty-one minute fight, we were on the ground for eighteen of it. Yeah, no. And then didn't uh, didn't Mark Coleman tell you to smear his own glove into his eye, his his, his own blood into his eye?
3: No, he didn't say smear his own blood. He said put, he said get your finger in that hole. Whatever whatever is bleeding,
2: put your finger in and try and open it up. Ugh. Wow! Now, a- now after um, after that, right? So then, after that, you you uh, you go on, you win the UFC belt, um, you, you know you you win the UFC belt, and then your first you you, you fight uh you fight uh Randy Couture, which is your last fight at two hundred five. I-, I watched that fight last night. You were beating Randy, pretty bad. The first two rounds, you you had Randy out. I was his ass. Yeah. I was whooping his ass. Now, unlike Randy. Randy follows
3: instructions and his game plan to the T. That's why I can't do nothing but say he is one of the greatest MMA fighters I've ever had the pleasure of losing to because he follows his game plan. His game plan was to get close to Kevin Randleman and take him down. And our game plan was to beat him up on our feet. When the third round had, when the third round began, Mark said, Good, Kevin, just keep going on. I said, man, that. I'm going to go out there and see how good he is wrestling. He said, and I remember walking away from there and he said, No! <laughs> and when I went back to the, I just remember when it was over and I went back, he said, Why the f did you try and wrestle him? What the f? Why didn't you listen to me? And I'm like, i I'm sitting there going, Yeah, you're right. you <laughs> know. But I don't cry over spill milk. I, 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 I gotta see my glass half full every single time I do anything. You know, because um, if I didn't, I would probably put a gun in my mouth,
2: or uh, I would have already. Kevin, so, Kevin, you're one of the best fighters of all time, one of the best wrestlers of all time, most entertaining to watch. I mean, so you have nothing to feel bad about. You, you, you've accomplished more than point, than 99.99999, than and keep you know times that by a million. So, uh, I, seriously, uh, your 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 uh, Chuck Liddell fight. Did you underestimate his power? Hell no! I didn't underestimate his power. Hell no!
3: When we were fighting, he was on the cage, and I threw a body blow, and I, he went oh. So I was like, oh shit! I want to f- again. I just think my hands are good, but they're not better than 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 a lot of people's. So I got off the fence, and when I was boxing, the guy said, "Stop dropping your hand when you come in." And sure enough, as I when I watched that fight, I came in and I dropped it, and he he hit me perfect, and that was it. I, I knew Chuck long before we fought. And I knew we would fight eventually if we were in the same weight class. So obviously, you know, we're friends before, and we were friends before, during and after. Yeah. The great thing about MMA is you can have beefs. You can be mad as hell. Now, I'll squash my beef with Tito if I get to touch him. <laughs> if I get to put my hands in his face and try and crack that f***ing egg on the top of his head. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> Because Humpty won't get put back together again. So when I fought Chuck, I don't underestimate one person I fight. Everyone I fight in the street, out off in the cage, out of the cage, I give them all one thing and one possibility, and that's they're a man and they can beat me with one punch.
2: Yeah. And Chuck Liddell, obviously, fucking hundred percent, you get beat with one, and I got beat with one. But did did that uh, weight cut hurt you? You think? Now, nah, dude. Listen, when I was a heavyweight champion,
3: I was only weighing 90, 199 pounds. I used to go to weigh. I used to go to weigh-ins with ten pound ankle on my on my on my ankles. Wow. So that I could weigh two twenty something. So then when I was fighting Bob Srooten, Bob Srooten's corner said make him take off his clothes. I would wear overalls. I love wearing overalls because I'm from Ohio, Midwest you know, farmers and shit, so I would have love wearing overalls. My wife can't stand them, so I can't even wear them, no boy, and I'm pissed about that. So, so, I bought a pair of overalls and she threw the out, I'm pissed. So, so, when, when we were at the weigh-in, this, their, his corner said, make him take his clothes off. And I'm like, why, I'm a heavyweight. And they said, take them off. And then and the official said, take them off. So, you know, I don't mind being the butt of any joke. I don't mind being joked on. So I sat down right there in the front row and took my ankle weights off, hoping no one saw them, and I said, <laughs> said, what are those? I said, what are those? I said, ankle weights. What?
1: Hey, how
3: much did it weigh? 10 pounds, a piece. 10 pounds, and I got on the scale like 203, 204 or something. So that was the joke, you know. I'm trying to be bigger to, to mentally for people. And then they took that, and they,
2: they made me the butt of that joke. So that was—I found that very funny. Now, that is funny. And you—you and, and you know what? I'm going to keep roasting you. you keep asking me to roast you. You're, you're one of these guys I, I respect so much. It's hard to—I'm not—I'm—but I'm, I'm going to. And now, now talking to you, I got a lot of things. Now, uh, as far as um, as far as uh, one of your fights, uh, I want to talk about cool. Is that when you lost to Rampage? it was a great fight. You lose to Rampage, and then Vanderlei Silva comes in after the uh, comes in the ring to fight Rampage after the fight, and you still had Rampage's back even after he had just beaten you. I thought that was pretty damn cool. Now, you guys, this is... You ever heard of six
3: degrees of separation? Yeah. Well, I am the three percent of... I'm three percent of separation. Three degrees. Because when I fought Boss Rootin, Quentin Jackson and I met each other for the first time. He wasn't even in the game. And we took a long walk down in Alabama, up and down the streets, just talking about everything. And I said, hey, I said, we even said it then. One day we might have to fight each other. So what? We're going to be boys regardless of what happens. And then when then Clinton and I talked before that pride fight, and he said, man, I think they want us to fight each other. I said, "Quentin, this is a f***ing business. And if we fight each other, we're going to give each other the best. F- we're going to give this crowd the best f***ing fight we can give them and make sure you make them motherfuckers pay you the same amount they paying me. And then, after that, we said, we were talk you know, it's a business, and if you don't sell yourself, who the hell's gonna wanna buy you? Right. So, after that, you know, it's just, when Quentin and I see each other, we smack each other in the face. We don't give hugs and love, we smack each other in the face until we're like, all right, that's enough. <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> but, but, black on black crime. You know that's why we made we you pump up a fight to make it real, but we liked each other. But before that fight, I wanted to knock his ass out. Yeah. <laughs> and the night before, the night before the fight, when we were weighing in, I cut twenty two pounds. I get, I got to Japan weighing two hundred and twenty four pounds, and I cut like twenty some pounds in seven hours. So I made weight. I was like two pounds under. Quinn got on and he was a little over. And Mark was like, well, get slipping that song, get working out. I said, fuck it, dude, let's go eat. And Mark was like, no, man. I'm like, listen, that extra half a pound or whatever ain't going to mean shit. If he's going to win, he's going to win. I don't look at shit like that. But, I mean, I lost the fight, but it was not because he fucking didn't lose that extra pound. It was because I went out and ate and fucking gained 32 pounds.
2: I woke up the next morning weighing 234 pounds. Were you were you surprised that he was able to de- uh, defend some of your takedowns? Hell no,
3: not at all. When you look at that fight, I shot the worst shots of my life. I was shooting the shots way out instead of trying to punch my way in, and uh, that's it. He's got a great game plan, Clinton Jackson's hard to take down. Yeah, um, he's not easy to take down because one. When- Not because he's African-American, just because he's athletic. He's got those fast twitch muscles, which he could react to my speed and get back. And the funniest thing about it, fellas, is I lost a day fighting Quentin Jackson. What do you mean? (sighs) I'm glad you asked. (laughs) When we fought, when he knocked me out, I woke up in the bars at 3-something in the morning with my friends and I was just all, I don't I don't remember a thing. I still don't remember the fight. I don't remember the day of the fight. And when I watch the fight, sometimes little fragments of the fight and that day come back, but it's like it's like a dream. I don't remember that fight and every time I watch it, it's like I'm watching it for the first fucking time. Wow. It's the one it's one of those things that is fucking absolutely amazing for me and I love it. So some days when I just want to get a little like, well, like, some days I'm just weird and crazy, and I just like, let me look at that fight, but like, I can't believe that shit. Boom. But I remember when I woke up in Rapunki, I was like, whoa, what That's the a... f? Mark looked at me and said, what the f? Are you just waking up from the fight? I said, who won? He said, not you.
4: <laughs> oh my God. So you're just on
3: and autopilot? I was on autopilot. Damn.
4: That is crazy. <laughs> Did that ever happen to you, Jake?
2: no uh no it hasn't no no we gotta ask you <laughs> thanks jake thank god the, 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 they uh, don't call him the best color commentator for nothing now, um- <laughs> be a- no. I, I i i just i can't i can't relate that's that's crazy wow now we have to ask about your fight against fedor uh that's probably one of the most watched things i've ever anybody's ever seen <laughs> You know, were you surprised that Fedor was able to recover from your huge slam? No. his no. Not at all. Do you know how many guys survived that slam in practice?
3: I don't know how all many. All of them.
4: Oh, they all do. Dude, that looks like it would have paralyzed, like, a, a, a normal human being would have been paralyzed or killed from that.
3: Yeah, it, it seems <sighs> <laughs> Well, quiet as kept. He messed his ribs up in that fight from that slam, but it wasn't his neck. It was a rib. Wow. I found that out later. But going into that fight, I had, I had just lost my dad a couple weeks earlier. And Fader said, you know, he reached out to me and said, hey, we don't have to fight. You know, I understand all this, you know, because Fedor and I were friends a long time before this. And uh, he reached out to me and said, no, we don't need to fight. And I said, no, f- that show's got to go on. You hear that, Tito? Motherfucking <laughs> soldier, soldier up and fight through pain. You're a f- ass motherfucker. <laughs> i said you'd be called what you were called. Motherfucker. Hmm. Comes back to Tito. Oh, man. <laughs> Everything goes back to that bitch. Because when I think about all these young fighters that go out there and perform like fing cheese, Ellen Burger, all these guys, I look up to them because they're hard. They're hard and they're respectful. Tito Ortiz, he is none of them. He's not hard and he ain't respectful. I respect those that respect the game and respect the fame that comes with the game. He don't.
2: Do you have any questions for Jake Ellenberger? No, amazing. Is he there? Yeah, do you you have any questions for Jake Ellenberger, by the way? Do I? Yes. When's your next fight? Uh, April 26th uh, in Baltimore.
3: Who are you banging with?
2: Uh, A guy, Tarek Saffordine, kickboxer.
3: <laughs> too bad for Too bad for that guy. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> if that, now, if that leg comes off the ground, he's a he's a he's
2: a he's a dead man. <laughs> now, now, Kevin, I, I I remember at the MMA awards I, I met you uh, and you were asking John Jones to to uh, train with you. You were like, hey, John, if you uh, you need sparring, let me know for Rashad and for the Rashad fight. Did he ever hit you up with that? Or, or uh, did he ever take you up?
3: Um. Actually, Jared Jones doesn't need any help preparing for for anybody um, you know I'm one of those guys that like i don't care if someone calls me. I saw those Santos before one of his fights, like the king fight I mean, I just give i knowledge is power and help. all my knowledge came free. Everyone gave it to me free. Coaches trained me for free. Lurch showed me little things. The Gracies have worked with me. Have worked with a lot of guys, and that was all free. So I really feel like a piece of shit trying to get paid for it. So I just said, "Hey, if you need some help, you know, because Rashad and I are about the same height and I'm quick, Rashad's quick. I said, let's do it." But he didn't need my help for that one.
2: Right. I I don't I don't know why people wouldn't need your help. It seems like uh, you, you bring a lot to the table. Um,
1: yeah.
2: Now uh also uh and then and then finally uh Oh no. Hello. Hello. Yeah. Are you, are you okay? Hello? Did you see Tito? I think we lost him. <laughs> yeah, I think we lost. Oh, uh, we lost Kevin. God, the interview so far. What do you think?
4: Hell yeah, dude. This is uh, to me it's the most <laughs> entertaining. To I love back. his passion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I
5: love Uncle DJ what do you what do you I heard a oh no and then the phone goes dead so I don't know what's going on what you, I think what Tito have, found What
2: him. are you thoughts on this interview so <laughs> like, I, I, you know, I think he's um he tied is. with
5: Baroni for he
2: most of bombs oh, yeah. for sure <laughs> I keep seeing <laughs> look over I side. know
4: I'm keep looking at the time going I'm sorry guys I got to bleep it I got to bleep it
2: All right so we got disconnected with Kevin Randleman uh however that was one of my favorite interviews of I all think, time I
4: think Tito might have found it That's how you're disconnected
2: Yes uh but that was Hilarious What an amazing guest
4: I love that guy
2: Yeah I had no idea That Kevin Randallman Was was, was gonna be like that But I am thrilled Mm -hmm. Uh, He's definitely Talking about keeping it real Quite an intimidating guy too He's like (laughs) He's like the Mike Tyson (laughs) Hell yeah you know what I mean. Tyson back in in the 80s Tyson, not Tyson yes, now. Yes. I mean, yeah, he's 88, 89 Tyson. Oh my god. A very intimidating guy. Not a guy I would I would mm. ever want to have on my, my bad side. Uh so Kevin Randleman, you're allowed to come on our show anytime you want. Uh every time. Anytime. The Kevin Randleman Hour. Oh, uh, <laughs> it real in the studio. I want to come to the studio, definitely. I, I might need some kind of a barbed wire or something. <laughs> Chicken but, wire. <laughs> Well, oh, 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 he, 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 he's he's saying, call me back, Jack. All right, so we have to call. Let's call call him. I'm I'm definitely not. (laughs) What time do you need to leave?
4: In like ten minutes.
2: You can stay for the rest of the Kevin Randleman. All right, so we are calling him back right now. Uh, I uh, yes, we're calling Kevin Randleman back. Hey, Kevin Randleman. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Hello. Yes, I can hear you. Okay, cool. All right, so Kevin, we're just finishing up the. the interview, which has been great so far, one of my favorite ever, if if not my favorite ever. We got to get one with uh, you, Phil Baroni, and, and, and Hector Lombard on the same show, and, oh. uh, that would be amazing. <laughs> no. is, is everything okay? Or, or, did you go back to therapy? Or, or, what what happened? <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm in therapy 24 hours a day. Okay, cool. Now, I was <laughs> now I was looking at your uh your staff infection, which might have been the worst one I've ever seen. Oh, my god, that was looks like it looked like it was a giant hole in his, in his rib cage. It looked like a cannon like <laughs> like landed in your rib cage. And you said you got that when you were training in Vin Diesel's garage? Uh,
4: yeah,
2: yeah. Yes. Now, are you and Vin Diesel friends or how did that happen?
3: Um, I think a lot of people would love to be Vin Diesel's friends. Uh, I, I'm happy to say that I'm at least one of his acquaintances.
2: Now, were you his bodyguard, or were you just training in his? I mean, how did you and Vin, how did you and Vin Diesel link up?
3: Uh, Vin Diesel don't need a bodyguard, fellas. Vin Diesel can fucking do his own job. Trust me, he'll probably beat the shit out of Tito Ortiz himself. <laughs>
4: So, uh, he he goes back to Tito Ortiz yeah. more than you go back to vagina questions. Oh my God! Wait, yeah, but but,
2: <laughs> but, it was, but it was you and Rico Rodriguez and Rico, well, I'm, right? I'm,
3: yeah, Rico Rodriguez was in California, and um my wife and I, well, I drove out to because you know Rico asked us to come out and chill and and, and meet the and So we went out and got to meet Vin and and a lot of his friends and a lot of his family. Absolutely top notch guy. um when you meet out it's like geez, will he be an asshole or whatever ben diesel is grounded he was grounded and you know he's never going to get a big head like you know he's going to be he would be ben diesel a very good guy and i'm sorry for the loss of ben diesel and his uh you know uh, uh, losing his boy no like longer. that but ben diesel a great guy we were in the garage uh, rico and i were in the garage and we were just kind of messing around and um I had been trained for a fight and I don't block my I don't block my body because I train. I do a lot of sit-ups. I got like I got I, I, I train my body to be able to take kicks and stuff. So while I'm spying with people, I was getting kicked in the ribs and I wasn't blocking, I was blocking my head. So I'm standing there and I'm kind of we're both kind of messing with my wife and Rico throws a kick without a shin bad on. And when you throw a kick, it's bone—it's bone trying to touch bone. And when he kicked me, he kicked me in that little—and there was a lot of blood where everyone was kicking me. And there have been a week since I spied so it was coagulated. So when Rico kicked me, his shin bone touched my rib cage, and it cut that bag and that bag of coagulated dead blood in half. Uh. My blood just went straight into my muscles, went into my shoulder. And as soon as he kicked me, I threw up on Ben Diesel's garage floor. Mm. And uh, my wife knew right then that I was fucked. She knew I was screwed. And uh, we got home that night. I had a fever. My fever went straight to like 103. The next day it was still 103. And the next day it got to 105. And like by the fourth day, I was on my way to the hospital. And uh, my buddy, if it wasn't for my friend not following my wife's directions, I'd be dead. And and then I'm not and I'm not exaggerating this. We went to the wrong hospital, and if I would have went to the right hospital, they would have gave me they would have took the X rays and stuff and sent me home. Where if I went to sleep one more time, I would never woke up because I was going septic. So uh, my friend went there. God bless his heart. He got the directions wrong, took me to the wrong hospital. So when I was in this hospital. They were just working tests on me, and then I just kind of went into a, a coma. And that's, I woke up with my right chest, the whole entire pec cut completely off.
1: Nice.
3: I, my my chest looked like Trey telling me, Like my whole right pec was gone. They had to cut my whole entire right side off and some of my shoulder muscle. Oh so God. when I woke up and looked in the mirror and saw that they cut off my freaking right tit, I was pissed. <laughs> I was looking for the doctor
2: that did it. I was ready to kick his ass. <laughs> The doctor was Tito. Ugh, oh my oh gosh. man, that's uh, calling Dr. Ortiz. Well, Dr. I'm, Ortiz. well, you know what, man you you, you you live through it. You are you're not a quitter, man. You are you're a survivor, and uh, and, and and you're a legend. And uh, Kevin Randleman, thank you so much for coming on our show. Uh, you have no idea how much of an honor it is to, to, to talk to you and have you on the show. And I would let any way that anytime you ever want to come on the show again. You have an uh, open door. I, I, have, I have a really good feeling you're going to be our new favorite guest. We amongst... want to become in studio. Yes. So <laughs> I, I a... get that
3: a lot. I get that so... a lot. And I like being colorful. Not just because I'm a black man, but I like being colorful, baby, you know? Uh,
2: yes. You. <laughs> oh, yes. Absolutely. So thank you so much, man. And uh, good luck with everything. And I hope to talk to you soon.
3: Good luck to you. Uh, hey, Jake. Good luck in your fight, man. I right. really do like watching you fight. you one of them hardcore you're a, hardcore, you're a hardcore fighter and one of my favorites. I like hardcore guys. Reminds me of me when I, when I was fighting.
2: Oh, thank you, man. No, it's, a, it's, a, it's an honor. It's a pleasure to talk to you.
3: Always, I man. It. God bless you, baby. Keep it real. <laughs> you know, hey, everybody, <laughs> if, you're not, if you don't realize it now, some little butthead out there has got my name Kevin of random in it, and he won't give it to me no matter how much I pay him. So my Twitter is dumbmonster underscore.
4: Nice. Follow him.
2: Follow him. Hey everybody! I'm here with the monster Kevin Randleman, one of the uh, a legend in the UFC, former UFC champion. I'm here with Marina Shafir. How are you, Kevin? Hi, Kevin. Good. How are you guys? Good. Good. By the way, thanks for coming to the show last week. It was great seeing you, brother.
3: It was awesome. You got some funny motherfuckers.
2: <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> it was uh, it was an honor, man. So how now? How everyone wants to know, Kev? How are you, man? Uh, I remember last time you were on the show. You were you were feeling good. You were thinking about getting back and fighting, calling out Tito Ortiz, and then you got staff action. staff action again. Is that what happened?
3: Um, no, I had a hip. I had hip replacement. Wow!
0: You had a hip replacement.
3: Yes. All them years of grinding and um, training and fighting, wrestling took its toll on me. my uh, my bad hips.
0: I'm sorry, you're forty
2: three i'm forty four
0: you're forty four and you had a hip replacement.
2: Wow. so I mean, so now now, now, what did that entail? i mean how how long were you out for? What, what? Um
3: it almost killed me. I was in the hospital. I had the closest of the hip. They didn't know um, it, for ten days they didn't know what was going to happen and Finally, they came back. It took me six months to get a hip, Um, but I've been hobbling and using crutches for the last two years, Um, but they finally came. I I knew I needed a hip, but the doctor that I was working with was an idiot, and he just kept pushing it off. Um, He pushed it off too long, and it got infected, and next thing you know, I was in the hospital fighting for my life. Um, Another doctor came in, um, took me through the steps of what I needed to do to get a new hip. I got a new hip, and now I'm... Um, I put on 25 pounds and I'm looking good and I can, and I still fucking call out Tito Ortiz.
0: <laughs> oh my God. I love you. That's awesome.
2: I mean, so, I mean, so you, even with the hip replacement, think you could beat Tito Ortiz? I
3: don't think, I don't think about it. It's, it's a no brainer. I'm, I, I, I would be. I'll always be able to be Tito Ortiz.
2: <laughs> now, I remember you telling us that when, uh, when, when Mark Coleman lost to Randy Couture and uh, yeah. And Tito Ortiz was in the crowd, talking shit to Mark yeah. Coleman. You were home. You saw it on TV, and then you got outside and ran towards the arena. Uh,
3: no, I wasn't ran towards the arena. I was just putting on my clothes to go towards the arena and go wherever Tito Ortiz was because <laughs> the disrespect that he gives people is just like uncalled for. this sport that the sport that we've helped build it's bigger than us. Yeah. So when he's out in the crowd acting like a dickhead
0: That is very wise out, view.
3: calling out a calling out a legend and a, and a Hall of Famer and Mark Coleman who's given his life to this damn sport um, it's just been called for and, and somebody's just smacked him in his fucking face.
2: <laughs> so, so what do you think would have happened if you would have saw Tito that night? I mean you would have just I would have beat Tito fucking ass wherever the fuck he was. I am not
3: the type of guy. I don't go around with an entourage of people with me. I'm one motherfucker. You sneak come through the door. That's who I am. I walk by myself. I talk shit by myself and I
0: fight by myself. You know what, Kevin? So, yes. Seriously, I believe you. <laughs> I believe you so hard. <laughs> I really just by like the tone in your voice, man, if I if I could bet on you, I would. I totally would. <sighs>
3: Uh, what, what, well, you know what? I'm I'm definitely not over. I'm only 44, and I'm still, I still got a bug up my my butt to always fight. You know, <laughs> so uh, if, if the fans make the fight, so all the fans got to do is just keep tweeting and saying, "Why we well, bring back one of them old legends?" Because uh, Tito Ortiz really, to me, he's when he fights someone tough, he gets his ass handed to him.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, look, Tito Tito's a legend. You're 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 a legend. Uh, you, I was, I was watching some of your stuff last last night because I, I I really enjoy going watching your old fights. But you know, you were um, a state champion in high school. Then in college, as a freshman, you lost one match, and that was the NCAA finals. Then you won it as a sophomore, won the NCAA's as a junior, would have won it as a senior, but you were in prison or in jail, right? <laughs>
3: I wasn't in jail. I felt like I was in jail though. It was baby mama drama.
2: Oh, yeah, baby mama drama. I mean, it was basically, uh, as far as one of the best wrestlers in college of all time, shouldn't you be in the discussion?
3: Um, You know what? I'm glad that you said that, but as far as I'm concerned, I did I did what I did, and I loved what I did. And if people want to talk about it, it's fine. But, you know, there are so many great wrestlers that came after me. So many great wrestlers that came after me, and have made such great, better, stronger... Statements and, and marks with their careers. Um, I was like a flash in the pan, like, but I, I, it was one of those things that just helped me catapult me to be a, a good fighter once I got the shot to be a, a, be, a be an MMA guy.
2: How, how is a how is a three time All American, two time national champion a flash in the pan? I, I, that's not a flash in the pan, Kevin. That's that's come on, give me a break.
3: Well, you know, but, but I didn't finish my last year. You know, I, I walked away when I when I could have been when I could have been put in there with the John Smiths and that, but I didn't. I walked away. Um, and, you know, that's, that's, there's not much I can say about that. If I could have shoulda, have, woulda, have, coulda. Have.
2: Right, right. Mm-hmm. Now, now, then, I, go on. Go ahead. No, go on, please. No, no, really what I was going <laughs> to
3: say was probably something about Tito. Okay, no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Then definitely go ahead. Yeah, yeah go
3: ahead, please. No, I've got a joke. All right. Now but I like I like the young lady on your show. Uh, she 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 she's a spitfire. I like the fact that she likes what I say.
2: Well, well <laughs> Well, I don't know if you know Marina Shafir or about her, but uh, as far as judo, uh, she was ranked one of the best judo girls in the in in the in the uh, country. Uh, she was she was in, right? You were uh, Only
0: for a really short period of she time. She was
2: one of the best. and now she's a pro fighter. She was undefeated as an amateur. Uh, she's a pro fighter who's thinking about she's going to go to Bellator this week to uh, watch to watch, to hint, watch. hint hint. hint. Uh, so uh, any advice for a, a girl like Marina Shafir from Kevin Randleman?
0: <laughs> any advice for me? Yeah. Um, no 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 no
2: no. Kevin to you, oh, not, not Kevin, you to Kevin. I,
0: was like, um, I don't know if that makes sense.
2: Yeah. I, shoot, I mean,
3: I, she's already done it. She's already a champion in her own right. Being a judo shit, I mean, when you can throw somebody across the room, I mean, I pick guys up and throw them across the cage. I mean, it's it's right on point. All you got to do is remember, tuck your neck, don't let nobody grab it. Yeah,
0: that's for <laughs> sure.
3: You um, you're if if grab your attach your wagon to a very strong camp, or if you're not if you haven't already. Any bullshit that you see coming inside your camp is nonsense. In order to be a champion, you have to have, you know, like tunnel vision. Like yeah. you have to see yourself beating that girl's butt for six weeks straight. And if there's any bullshit, crap, uh, you know, obviously we both cannot, we both understand what it takes. But like, you know, drugs, uh, rock and roll, the, the drinking, all that stuff is cool but when you're training for a fight the focus is the tunnel vision of you beating the piss out of that girl, throwing her on her head and breaking her face and this is what you do and if this is what you want to do believe me, there's a lot of people out there that would be willing to to help champion a champion like yourself.
0: Thank you I really appreciate that no, no, re- yeah.
2: You're no, 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 Kevin, what do you think about the whole John Jones getting busted for uh, cocaine? You know,
3: I um I I wish him a speedy recovery to get back. Because the sport of MMA right now, we have a champion. His name is John Jones. You can dislike him, you can hate him, but he's a great champion and nobody can beat him. Yeah. So um we all have mistakes in our lives. We all do things, you know, and hopefully nothing costs someone else their life or John Jones his life. We all make mistakes. I've made a million mistakes and I've gotten forgiven for every one of them. So I just hope him a speedy recovery and um if he's listening, you know, I, he he respected me when we met. He gave me all the all the respect in the world and I just hope that he I hope that that he can help him I hope that he can fix the problem that he's having right now and get back to get back to the fans that really love him.
2: Yeah, no, it's Because it's, yeah.
3: He's a he's a great champion. And I don't care if he seems a little flamboyant, if he seems a little cocky. I'm sorry. Every champion is a cocky motherfucker because you're the champion, you know. Um, But you can't knock him for that. When he gets knocked down a peg or loses a fight, then everyone's going to come back and be with John Jones to avenge that loss. But until we get there, I'm just so happy that we have some of the champions that we have in the sport. John Jones, the, uh, the Anderson Silva's, um, you know, just we have some great champions that kids can really look up to, and and I don't want to see those things change, and I don't want to see a black black eye on the sport that we've we've all loved so much, and that we hope to see build up into greater things. You know, I can't wait to see um, a Conor McGregor making Floyd Mayweather money. That'd be some sick. That'd be some sick shit.
2: Right.
0: Or Ronda Rousey making some Floyd Mayweather money. Yeah, or,
2: R- or
3: you <laughs> making some of that Floyd William
1: Mayweather
2: money. <laughs> right, right. No, absolutely. Now, now I, I got to say, I was looking at some of your earlier fights. You were saying that you fought in Brazil and uh, 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 back in the day where they threw you out of the ring, and then guys were attacking you, and then they threw you back in the ring?
3: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. Brazil. Brazil, if you were going to become a fighter... I couldn't think of an, any better way to get initiated into the sport than have to fight three freaking Brazilian men who have fought Vale Tudo all their life in the street and, you know, and, and climb into a ring and fight these guys because it's their ring, it's their country, and, you know, they had, the, the you know, you punch someone, you fall on the ground. It's hot down in Brazil, so we're sweating, and the mats, have got blood on it from the previous fights and all that stuff. So we're sliding across the mats and sliding across the ring because it's a boxing ring. Well, on the bottom of the ring, there's no mesh tape or anything to keep the guy from sliding out. So Ebenezer bragger. was, I punch him like a robo, like a, like a robo, like a robo, <laughs> robot across the floor. And when he would get out, I knew he was hanging out, but I figured shit, he should have fell out. And then when I would look up, I would look up and his cornerman would be over in my corner next to Mark Coleman holding Ebenezer Braggers back up so he doesn't fall out. And I look up and he kicks me in the face with the heel of his foot. My eye instantly swells up, shut, closed. And he gets out. He gets out of the ring. They pull him out and he walks back around to his corner, walks up the stairs, do, 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 gets in the ring. I'm sitting there looking at Mark like, what the fuck just happened?
0: Jesus.
3: Mark's like, Get him. Go get him. <laughs> put him back down on the ground and punch him some more. And sure enough, put him back on the ground. Boom, boom. Across the mat. Looked up again. He hits me in the other eye. I uh, I was blind going into my second and third fights.
2: That's crazy. And then and, then, and, and uh, Coleman, was your corner? When you fought Boz Rutten, didn't Coleman say to, to, to take his blood and blind him with his own blood?
3: <laughs> he told, I mean, my Coleman... <laughs> I love him. If it wasn't for Mark Coleman, I would not, not have been a national champion wrestler the way I was dominating because with a guy like Mark Coleman behind you, you can, it's almost impossible for us to fail because we, we work so hard and failure is just not an option. You know, when you're so training, you're going into, when we go into battle, we, we beat each other so bad in practice that there is not one person on this planet that can do worse than what, Mark and all them other big-ass heavyweights did to me in practice. So walking in to fight someone that weighed 265 pounds, 6'7", it was a piece of cake for me. And that was who I fought my last fight, Ebenezer Braga, He ended up choking me out 25 minutes. Yeah, we fought straight, too. It was like one fight. My first fight was 17 minutes. My second fight was like 14 minutes straight. My last fight was like 24 minutes straight. No time limits, just
2: straight.
0: You know what Trade I want to go do right now, <laughs> Kevin? Do you, you? You know what I want to go do right now? I seriously just want to leave this podcast and go train. <laughs>
2: <laughs> really? Based <laughs> I'm like,
0: that. this is like the pre workout I haven't had in a really long time.
2: So.
3: Well, I will pump you up. Believe me, I'm 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 that guy. Call me a you great, totally a great uh, are.
1: Jeez.
2: pump man. So wait, so wait, so Coleman. So so you're fighting and He's bleeding, and Coleman's yelling at you. Take his blood and put it in his own eye- in his own eye, so he he can't see. Put
3: it eyes random blinded <laughs> with the blood smear it in his face stick your finger in the cut pull it
1: <laughs>
3: Mark oh, man. Norman, he, he just won he wanted me to put my uh when i was in brazil one of the guys stuck his finger in. oh he tried to bend my finger back i broke i break both of my phones because every time i feel a punch or whatever I broke both my thumbs, and the guy pulled my finger. So I took my finger and put it in his cut and tried to rip it open.
2: Oh my god! He tapped, sure. He tapped. He tapped? Yeah, well you, got, you got your finger in his cut, and
3: that's... oh yeah, oh, right above his left
2: eye.
3: <laughs> I tried to rip that son of a bitch open. Wow! Now uh... it, it, it introduced me to how vicious the sport is. It, it got me acclimated on how great and how, how gruesome and how how violent the sport can be but how at the same time like when you're fighting somebody and you're getting punched and it doesn't hurt it's like wow like i'm i'm the most invincible motherfucker on the planet you just feel empowered you feel so strong and you can't wait for the next punch to come so i'd go back to my room after the first fight and just sit in there just i would just pace, like man i'm gonna fuck this dude up Mm-hmm. I'm ready. Let's go. Mark would say, Just calm down, random and sit down, and sleep. Go to sleep. can I sleep right now. I'm getting ready to go fight another dude. And sure enough they would call me and I'd be so much. I'd be still pumped from the first fight, going into the second fight, and like it took two hours for this fight to get done. But Mark Coleman, man, he's never gonna let you think that you're losing. But his face never lies. So <laughs> when I when he was looking at my face and I had my my nose was broken my my teeth came through my lips. My eyes were both swollen shut. My thumbs were swollen. My hands were swollen. My kneecap, my left kneecap, was broke. I mean, his face couldn't lie to me. He looked at he looked at me and just gave me a hug. Put my head on his chest and was like, "It's all right, Randall. You know, I need to feel better." But you know, the doctor made me feel better when he gave me some pain meds. Right.
2: <laughs> I mean, did you ever think of yourself like you're in you're in Brazil? You got all that going on. you ever think to yourself, "What the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> Maybe I should have just, uh, you know, been a wrestling coach or something." Did that ever like, cross your mind?
3: Never once in my life. I don't have regrets like that. I'm a, I'm I'm a, I'm the type of guy that I need. I need excitement, or I just I'll I'll just trip up and die. Right. So if you threaten me, say, hey, "Let's go jump out some planes," I'm in. <laughs> You want to go blow some stuff up in the mountains? We're let's not going to get in trouble. Do in. It. yeah.
0: Let's go blow some shit up. You want to down
3: the side of MGM? We're going to get arrested.
2: I'm in,
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> so, so if Tito or- is for the living. So if Tito Ortiz wanted, I, wanted to fight you right now, if Tito in. Ortiz,
3: if someone said that Tito Ortiz and Kevin Randleman could fucking fight right now, I'd kiss my wife, go to school, and hug my son, and disappear for three months.
0: Oh my god. <laughs>
3: And when you see me, you would swear up and down that God, the gods have blessed me because I would be ready to kill Tito Ortiz. Every punch he would throw at me, I would eat. I'd smile at him. I'd smile and spit blood in his face. But I guarantee you, I would be one mean motherfucker on the day that Tito Ortiz and Kevin Randall were about to get down. Oh, man, Nothing would... would matter. Nothing. No fucking sex. Nothing. My wife would just get a kiss and she would kick me out herself.
2: I like your wife, by the way. Your wife is awesome. His wife is like six foot two from Brooklyn. I
0: she's, love it.
2: She's like a throwback. She's she's like a, a real woman. That's like, awesome. She, she, your wife. She
3: is a real woman too, and you don't want her to throw you back. <laughs> you fuck up. She's, she's fearless.
2: Now, now, before your wife, right? When you knock out uh, Crow Cop in in uh, Japan, right? You knock out Crow mm-hmm. Cop in one round. Are you just, I know you, I don't want your wife to hear this, but are you, is it just Japanese orgies? I mean, are, are, is it like Hello Kitty chicks just lining yeah, up? Yes,
3: absolutely. Oh my God. Dude, I'm writing a book, right? Yeah. I'm writing a book. Yeah. Adam, you know I'm writing a yeah, book. Yeah,
1: and
3: yeah, yeah. I, I can guarantee you right now that as soon as it's done, Adam, you, you, Joe Rogan, Dana White, the Petitas are all going to get a book because it's, it's nose barred, uncut. It's for real it's what happened. sex was sex was appealing to everybody that was in japan if there was a girl in your crew that girl could have got laid by anyone any numerous star star fighter that was there wow you know i mean it was just like so that. you just and had then,
0: pussy thrown at you like constantly like and that's when you had to turn your head movement off because you didn't want to dodge I- it
3: True. Make no fun. You can make a joke about it, but it's the same for you too. No, I, they're going to be
0: throwing it at you too. Yeah, no. <laughs> I mean,
2: I mean. So you're banging how many how many Japanese girls a night are you? I mean, when when like back in the pride days, it's just you and Chuck just running trains on girls.
3: Oh come on, no, that's not even right. Chuck and I never ran trains
2: on nobody. Oh okay. Ever.
3: Although so, we, although we did tag team cop because if it wasn't for Chuck, Liddell,
1: oh my god.
3: We beat up. We beat Krokop down together because Chuck Liddell okay. for six days straight before I fought Krokop trained me. Oh, nice! I didn't. I didn't know anything about fighting a southpaw or fighting a kickboxer, and Chuck for six days in Japan would come and help me train for Krokop. And literally, what he showed me was the reason why I knocked him out.
2: Wow, so that's what, fucking awesome! No, I mean, what did what, what did Chuck show you? What, was it? I mean, just.
3: He showed me stances. He showed me the preparation, like when a guy goes to throw a kick, all the little tails that they give. Mm. And how to attack, how to attack the guy that's throwing the kick. If a guy's throwing a kick and he's trying to kick kick me with his right leg, attack his left shoulder, push him off balance. He's going to hit you, but it's just not going to be the powerful hit that he would get if you wouldn't push the shoulder. So finally, the day of the fight, I said, well, Chuck, can I just throw a hook and hit him? He's like, that's it. That's exactly what you should do. You ready? And sure enough, I hit him with the left hook and dropped him. And and when the fight was over, I was just standing there, walking around the ring, like, damn, I can't fucking believe. Wow, that was fucking easy. You know, I, that's exactly what I was saying to myself. And Chuck jumped in the ring, and was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" I'm like, I, I don't know. I it kind of shocked me. I said, "I don't know. What's the matter? Why ain't you going crazy?" I said I, I don't know. Where the are fucking go crazy. <laughs> 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 yeah, there, yeah. I jumped up on the ring, Wilson, Mark Coleman, and and Chuck and were in the ring, going crazy. That's... It was funny. We got back to the got back to the thing, and like Chuck didn't. Chuck was like he didn't even know what to do. He's like, yeah, that's random. That's
1: awesome. I am excited
3: after fights. You know, I I I really do love fighting. I love. Every day, you know, I'm training three days I trained three times a day when I fought. I don't care what anyone says, like wow, just, it's like a job. It was a job I loved. The it, only job that I ever loved.
0: Are you were you the kind of are you the kind of fighter that really enjoys like the process almost yes. sometimes more than the fight?
3: Yes. Yeah. The fight is sometimes. the fight most of the time is a letdown because like I say, if you've got a good stable of people around you Yeah, like when you're overly prepared
0: just doesn't go... They're
3: going to beat you down. Yeah. They're going to beat... They they like you. They love you. They want to see you win. But in practice, they want to beat you down. And that's where you're... That's where you win the fight. Yeah. Because in the fight, there's never... I've never fought someone whose hands were faster than me. Yeah.
1: They would
3: throw punches, and I'd move out the way like Spider-Man did, and, and, and <laughs> then he was moving like, holy shit, that was so slow. Dude, wow. So, you know, it's... Man, I I love the process.
2: You are right.
3: I love the
0: process. It's a beautiful. thing. I love thing. getting punched in the face. It's a beautiful thing. I'm telling you.
2: No, no. Uh, now you were telling me that Dana got upset with you for hopping over the ring.
3: <laughs> yeah, he shut that down real quick.
0: <laughs> Holy shit!
2: What happened? He
3: said, Do "You ever jump over that fence again, I'll kick your ass myself." <laughs> uh, I, I'm done, dude. I ain't gonna never jump over that ring. Cause <laughs> one, I want to kick my. I want you to kick my ass and two. I want to keep working for you.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, you
3: know, I forget who it was. Before. Maybe Pedro Hizo, or maybe Pedro. I, I think I won the fight, so that's where that's where I got away with it. But I think it was Pedro Hizo. I jumped over, and when I jumped, I li- I literally just grabbed the top of it, and leaped over it, and I did. I got over the motherfucker. I was tripping. I myself was surprised. Because then when I landed, I was all balance, and I landed, and my leg almost hyperextended. And I looked back, and Dana White was like, <laughs>
2: now, but someone said, Now, someone said there was a fight where you knocked yourself out before the fight. What? Did that happen?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: What happened there? I was
3: in, I was in uh, Lake Charles, Missouri. I mean, Lake Charles, Mississippi. And I was fighting Pedro Hizom the first time. And, you know, it was... It was a big. It was like a big convention center kind of place, and they they didn't have they they had too many seats and not enough people to fill them. So they had a lot of those. You know, when you have a concert or something, they put up the big catpeds with all the steel bars. They put it, they put it together and they put stuff so they can't see behind the scenes. Yeah. Well, those pipes were all sitting behind a curtain. When I was behind the scenes, I saw the pipes, so that was no big deal. I walked out safe. I went out, and fans saw me, so they came down to get autographs and pictures with me. Well, one of the cops came down and said, hey, man, do if you, if you mind moving back back to the back? Because all these fans are going to be coming down, and it's going to be crazy trying to get these fans out of here. I said, okay, no problem. Mark Coleman came up to me and said, hey, man, it's time for you to get, come back and get warmed up. So I went in the back, I was running, I put my Walkman back on. Remember the old Walkmans with the
1: tapes? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: He's come a long way. Yeah. So I w- went running back, and as I was running back, I ran through the part of the c- curtains that had all the pipes, and I wasn't thinking about it. I'm an athlete, i am got my music on, I'm thinking about punching him five times in the face. And I hit the pipes, feet went up in the air, and I woke up with like two or three white guys. <sighs> In my face.
1: Oh, and man. Soon, and,
3: and when I woke, I woke I, when I came to, I freaking just grabbed both two of them by the throat and was like trying to choke them. Like, I
1: don't know what's going on, but
3: like, you in my face right now. And like, dude, dude, calm down, man. You were out. You were out. Alone. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Get me up off the ground before someone sees me. It's too late. People saw you. Well, keep me up anyway.
2: Oh, man. So I ran
3: back to my locker room and I threw up a couple. I tried not to let anyone see it because, you know, you throw up, they know you got a concussion. Ran around the building and threw up a little bit, and and. Um,
0: and then you fought with a concussion.
2: No, he didn't fight. He didn't oh. fight, fight. no, without. I didn't fight. They canceled it. Uh, man. They
3: canceled it because they had some. They had some punk. Well, I shouldn't say punk because they were just trying to protect me, which is one of the great things that you know people got to remember. This sport used to be barbaric.
0: Yeah.
3: It's not barbaric anymore. It's beautiful to watch women climb into a ring against someone of their size, their strength, and their you know. They're, they're maybe not abilities because some people are really fantastic people. Um, sure. And just let them, watch them go. It's like a chess match, but it's it's like human evolution. This is what we used to do back in the day. Now we've got men and women just banging it out, you know, contact, punch for punch, blow for blow, toe to toe. They just going at it. Yep. Yeah. That's the beauty of what MMA is. I, I it
1: totally makes agree. the
3: smallest guy feel like he can be the most powerful man in the world. And true. You don't see people fucking with 125 pound men no more, do you? No. no. Or women? People, people back off. Or women? You dang right, because I don't, I don't fuck around with women anyway. Because <laughs> I don't I don't fight women and they throw punches. My wife hit me once. <laughs> <laughs> I made a statement I shouldn't have made, and she has a six foot and a half reach, and I was probably I was probably five feet away from her. So when she punched through me, I was like, "Yo, you know what? That's it." I'm not training her, no more in, no, no more boxing, you know, you hear me? I was like, the next time you, next time you do that, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to flash back to Tito day.
0: Uh,
2: now,
3: we laughed about it, but, you know, I was like, I forgot. She, you know, was,
0: she every, was just kind every, of like, you're going to learn today.
2: Now, the the, the funniest one is when Kevin told me to roast him, and I did. He's like, well, yeah, oh, like what are you going to roast me? And I started roasting him, and then I got uh, all these people on Twitter started roasting him, and I got a phone call, hey man, tell him to stop, <laughs> my wife's going to kill me. <laughs> oh <laughs> no, my God that was and a mistake I
3: was, tripping. I was like man fucking roast I got roasted man and it didn't feel it didn't feel it felt like shit <laughs> like I, I expected them to talk shit about me throwing steroid sh- stories and, and all kinds of stuff I said and I reached out to them I said yo dude man I thought you were gonna roast me and they were like well, we don't want you getting mad at us and kicking our ass if you ever meet if so I was like no dude man roast me like you would roast anyone else and then sure enough my wife you got what you asked for things.
1: yeah
3: <laughs> My wife was like, why the fuck would you let someone's rush you? Because you're going to get pissed off and then you're going to get pissed off and you're going to want to kick someone's ass. (laughs) So you should stop it. And I'm like, no, it's all right. And I'm watching the post and I'm like, oh shit, that was harsh. Oh, that hurt me. oh my son felt that one. He ain't even born yet. Oh my God, that's terrible. Oh, please, you guys stop. Please. I called a couple times, sent a text, please stop whatever you're doing. Stop the bleeding. It's killing me. That was, ditch me up. I'm good. That was one of the so funniest things. I got lost awesome. very well.
2: That was so funny. Now I gotta, I gotta say last time you, you started to talk about how in the early, Early UFC days, you go into the locker room and people be doing steroids, people be having sex, there'd be drug dealers in there. I mean was it insane or what?
3: Wow. Before the before the petitas got a hold of this great organization, there was a lot of things that were allowed to go on. You didn't have you didn't have red coats. You didn't. There were no red coats walking you around, ushering you around. There were no tags. You didn't get tags. I could walk out and grab four girls and bring them back into my locker room if I wanted. They didn't care. I was the man. They would let anyone pass through. You know there was no there was no VIP section. There was no floor seats or anything. You know you got to you got to seat what you wanted if you got there early enough. So I'm not. I, I never saw anyone doing steroids. Right. But sex in the locker room, absolutely. That's definitely, definitely a uh, 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 go. That's a go. That's a go, Captain Captain America. That's a goal. <laughs> That's definitely. Um, <laughs> that that was it. there was definitely there were definitely situations where. Um, I've seen, you know, drugs being used. Yeah. But steroids, I can never say anything about steroids. But I can say that there were drugs. You know, there was I've seen coke being used and stuff. But when Dana got the company, that shit stopped.
1: Yeah.
3: You know, there was there was there was protocols. There were, you know, it, it made it safe for us. You know, people. We can knock Dana White, and we want to get paid more money and all that shit. But you know, if you think about it. The sport's been around and it's been mainstream for mm, let's say five, six years where people, you know, kids, kids are actually parents are crazy. Parents are actually training their kids at five to be fighters. I don't know why you want your kid to get punched in the face but with an MMA glove at seven, eight years old, but to each his own. Um, but it was, it was not safe. You know, you can get hurt and, you know, just like all the other shows, you know, you, you 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 can get headbutted. You know, they changed so many rules. Yeah. Boss, in my fight, changed the l- rules to rounds. You know, rounds. You know, we 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 were the last fight. We were the last fight that we fought straight minutes. It was just straight time, twenty minutes straight, and then three minutes of overtime.
2: That was, And by the way, that was a bullshit fight. You won that fight. I don't care what he says.
3: I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I know Boss Hooten. If he's listening to this, he's like, "Like fuck that man! I beat that
2: guy." <laughs> I love you, Boss. I love you. Uh,
3: Bosch a fight. awesome fight. I, but you I enjoy watching it just to see how, how far the sports going. Really.
2: Well, listen, Kevin. Uh, I am so happy you came back on the podcast. You, you have Me no Me too. You are, you're, you're honestly, you're the most. You and Hector Lombard are the two most requested guests we get on the podcast, and uh, you are one of a kind, man. And I can't wait to read your book. So happy that you got the hip replacement, everything's okay, you know, overcoming the staff. I've never seen a worse staph infection in my life. Uh, that was like, I don't know if you know, he had staph infection that was like, a, like, it was like three bullets. It was like a, someone threw a cannon Ugh. through his, it was horrible. But you overcame. They take off my, they took my right pectoral muscle and my right lattesum, lat, lat muscle off.
0: Wow.
3: cut it and put it in the trash. I was pissed.
2: <laughs> Holy shit.
3: But you over... I was trying to kill, kill, I was trying to get my hands on doctors that day.
2: <laughs> But you overcame all of it. You overcame all of it, and you look great, man. Yeah, people said on Instagram you look younger now than you did when you were fighting. So uh, you, you, you do good, a great, good clean man. living. Good clean I mean, living.
3: I, my my, you met my wife. She's, she's a real. She's she's as real up a chick as they
2: come. Yeah.
3: And when it comes to ride or die, boy, well, I mean, I'd rather have her two hands behind me fighting with me than anybody else's.
2: That's awesome. And then you and then you you are still working with the kids with the uh, the uh, wrestling camp, right?
3: Yes, we have a wrestling team called Monster uh, Monster Academy, which which Scott Kimball, who's a great great uh, mentor to kids. We've got about sixty kids, and with our luck, every one of those kids will get a scholarship to college when they finish with our program and get their state championships. And you know, we just want to we just want to build as many citizens that would will be willing to come back and help other kids become better citizens.
2: So listen, people. If you're listening, uh, the monster loves hearing you from Twitter. I, I, from Twitter, uh, I know. I know you love hearing from the fans. You are you are a legend, and uh, I really, really, really appreciate you coming on our show, man.
3: Soon as I soon as I get this book finished, Adam, I'm going to send it to you so that you can start telling everybody how crazy <laughs> really was real and. The, the Hello Kitties, which the, <laughs> the Hello Kitty
2: stories are absolutely true. I can't wait to hear about it, Kevin. <laughs> well, take care, Kev. Take care.
0: Have a good one, Kevin. Wait,
3: wait. The young lady that's on the show with you, I want to write her name down because I want to follow her now.
0: Uh, I'm a fan. Marina M A R I N A Shafir S H A F I R. I really appreciate that, Kevin.
2: And where can people follow you on Twitter? Me? Yeah, the monster.
3: The, the monster. The monster. That's my that's my that's my call sign, the monster. Cool.
2: Well thanks a lot, Kevin. Have a great rest of the week. Thank you guys.
3: And you, and good luck with your career, Marina. I'll Thank be watching you. for you. Thank
0: you very much.
3: All right. All right. God bless you guys. And happy new year to everybody. Happy
0: uh, New Year. Happy
3: New Year, Kevin. Two thousand and fifteen is our year.
2: Take care, brother. Bye. All right, that was Kevin Randleman. Wow. <laughs> like,
0: what a stand-up guy. Seriously, I'm a fan for the rest of my life.
2: Oh my god. How, how do you not like that guy, huh? Yeah, yeah, that was so funny. I can't wait to read his book. Yeah. Yeah, this is uh back in the day. Kevin Randleman. Holy shit. Yeah, he was uh he was uh, he was a straight-up beast. Monster. Dang. Yeah, yeah, Kevin Randleman, former UFC champion. Uh just uh all around badass. Uh, so he was a guy. You ever see that, that clip of the guy who tossed Fader on, on his head? Yeah. That was, him. that was him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, uh, thank you for being on our show and uh, take care. Oh, oh, should we close up the go, show? Yeah, let's close up okay. the show. Well, that was our show. Uh, we have two more shows this week with Joe, with Joe Warren and Algemon Sterling. Uh, thank you, Kevin Randleman. Thank you, Marina Shafir. Thank you, DJ Schroeder. That clock Hello? Right. Hey, Henzo Gracie. Hello. Who? Is this Henzo Gracie? Yes. Yes. Hey, this is uh, Adam Hunter, Marina Shafir, Greg Wilson. You're on the MMA Roasted podcast. It is such an honor oh, to have I, you on I the show. I was
6: waiting for your call, my man. Let me put the phone so I can, we can make that a good interview for you guys. Okay, yeah. thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> my pleasure. A pleasure to be here with you guys. Thank you. I'm
2: surrounded by friends here, but time flies. Uh, yeah, it does. We are all brothers. Yes, yes. So we are talking to Leon. we are talking to a legend, a UFC legend, a pride legend, uh, a K one legend, the guy Henzo Gracie, a guy whose grandfather was Carlos Gracie, who started Jiu Jitsu. You grew up in Rio de Janeiro. What was that like, man? What was it like being Henzo Gracie, being born to the Gracie family?
6: Ah, man, it was an unbelievable experience. Believe it. If I if I die and I could pick where bo- I'll be born again, I would choose to be in the same place. It was not was so good. But by the way, they only call you legend when you get old. Just like you <laughs> get old. <laughs> but it you But it was unbelievable. We were very different. The way that my grandfather and my father educated us, you know, it's Obviously, we had big birthday parties. Uh, with uh rolling on the on the on the middle of the living room on the day of birthday parties. You know, it, yeah, it was a unique unique life experience, you no. know. And uh, and I realize now that my father was my grandfather and my father were actually teaching us not only Jiu-Jitsu, but it was how to sell confidence to people. You know, and uh, it was a very rich experience.
2: Yeah, I, I was watching videos of, of guys, they would c- come to your house, and, and, and you, would f- you, you would fight them, and you would beat the crap out of these guys, and, and they were like, it was, it was, yeah, it was
6: like you would say, instead of fighting on the street, we'd set up an appointment, and normally the guys would fight or shoot, so we would book in a house, and we would go at it, you know, and- and the end, you shake hands, and everybody was friends again. <laughs> yeah.
2: Man. Now, now, you started doing jiu-jitsu at six. Uh, you, you, you didn't lose from age six to 15 years old. Uh, yes.
6: I begin actually at five. I begin at five. My first competition, I was seven. Wow. You know, and uh, I compete a lot. I always love it, and every competition I could, I would jump right in.
2: Mm. You know, no, it, it was amazing. And uh, uh, now, when you went to New York to open up your own school uh, and and teach Gracie Jiu Jitsu, was the family mad at you? W- were they upset that you were like kind of letting the secret out?
6: No, you know, I don't know. Upset, uh, but they they would rather have me working with them. You know, and, mm. and I I was I was very independent my whole life. You know, I I, I owned a bar when I was sixteen. I bought a bar when I was sixteen. And I was able to make the number one bar in Rio de Janeiro. I used to sell 27, 12, 27 kegs of beer a night, you know, with live music. People that sang for me ended up standing, uh, singing on the Grammy a couple of years back here. And they used to sing just for beer, you know. And I was, I was very efficient. With that, I could provide for, for two families, you know, my mother and my aunt's family. And, and I was always very independent. I could never picture myself working to someone else by myself. Right. You know, and that's why I decided to come this way and when I came to New York I fell in love. I said this is the best city in the world. I had access to everything. You know, and I it was very challenging to move here and, and, and to and to make things happen here. I began teaching a Kung Fu place, putting nets down and, and removing the necks every night, cleaning the back. I was teaching seven days a week, but I, I enjoy every single minute, you know, and commuting an hour an hour each way every day, you know?
2: With, with, with a smile on your face. With a smile on your face. Now, <laughs> now, always, always. <laughs> now, was it hard, though? Because everybody else was a white belt. At the, at the time, you were a third-degree black belt. Was it hard getting good guys to train with?
6: Mm, it was extremely tough because at the same time that I, was, that I was teaching and working, I was training to fight pride, to do all those things. So what I would do, I would roll. Every day with every single student. So, like, I'll, I'll, that's why we end up having guys like Matt Sarah, Rodrigo Grace, all those guys were my training partners. And I, when I got them, they were white belt. Matt Sarah used to work in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a security booth in Long Island, in a factory. And I took him out of there, gave him a job to help me teach here so I could roll with him every day and, and train in a daily basis. So,
2: so were you the only guy not surprised when Matt Sarah beat GSP? Yeah, I
6: knew if uh, GSP came in just to trade blows with Matt, it was very dangerous.
1: Yeah.
6: I've seen Matt breaking people's jaw in a, in a scoring session, you know? He hits like, like he's hungry. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I knew, I knew that that could happen. On that particular fight, both belong to our team. You know? Both were part of our family here, so I told them, I don't want to train none of you. You guys go, go train whatever you want. They already met, already had his school in Bulgaria. You train that GSP trains in Canada, and I will sit down and watch the fight. (laughs) But I don't make me corner or for a root for one of you two. You know.
2: I was watching your fight.
6: Yeah.
2: I was watching your fight last night against Oleg. And uh, uh-huh. that was one of the craziest up kicks. I'd never seen an up kick knockout like that. Was that something you had actually planned?
6: No, I, yeah, I trained that a lot. I used to train them. Because that was one of the best defenses when you were doing guard. If the guy stand, yeah, brings his body up to strike a reach to drive him down. So the best strike you had it. And in reality, on leg was the fifth person in my life that I knocked out like that. Oh wow! I had knocked out people out before in street fights with the same move.
2: Speaking of street fights, uh, and we'll go back to your crazy career. Uh, <laughs> the, there, there have been a couple street fights you've gotten to recently. Uh, one of them, you live tweeted. Uh, so a guy tried to at- <laughs> a guy tried to attack you in Central Park, and you yeah, live. <laughs> They, they,
6: I, I didn't know this, but this is how they rob people in New York. They, they come at you like, give me a dollar, give me a dollar, give me a cigarette, you know? And then they reach in your pocket, they take your wallet. It's, it's because if they get arrested, they have an excuse. They say that they were asking for a dollar. It wasn't I asking for a dollar? It wasn't a robbery, you know? But in the reality, that's how they rob people. And, and, and I saw these two guys. I, I went to grab money at an ATM machine and, next to a restaurant that I was in, and I, I, as I left, they stopped calling me, you know, and, and they came and tried to, to get my wallet. They gave me, a gave me a cigarette, even though I told them I didn't smoke or I didn't. So then when I, I'm waiting for a gun or, or a knife, at least, you know, and they, never, and they never showed me, not even a Swiss knife, so I couldn't. Well, I had to. I couldn't accept to be robbed by someone just right like with their hands, you know.
2: Yeah. So then, what did you do? Did, did, <laughs> now, did you, did you knock them both out? I you know, yeah. I'm sorry.
6: I, I knocked the first one out, and I broke his nose. And I tried to grab the second one, but the second one was back then. He took off, and I was able just to grab his shirt a little, and and and. And he was able to get away, you know. So then I came back, the other one was getting up. So I said to him, My oh, man, you're coming for there's eight million people in this city. And I'm the fool. And <laughs> you pick me as the fool, you know? Yeah. So I I put a video on him, a really little scared him a little bit <laughs> and and then I I, I, I I let him go. I went, got my car, and I went around the block and I stopped following this one that was at a broken nose. And because I knew that they set up a, a, a place to meet again, you know? Yeah. So the other one, had, this was near the 7th Avenue, so the other one took off and was near the 10th Avenue, looking in the corner, waiting for his friend. I was able to go around, they didn't know my car, and I saw the guy on the corner. So I parked and I went uh, running next to a building, They couldn't. the guy couldn't see me. When I turned the corner, he was standing there looking for his friend, you know? So I choked him out standing. <laughs>
5: <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. so i choked him out
6: standing. yeah oh, wow okay yeah, I, I i did the raccooning the little pushes on the eyes because otherwise you choke the guy out he doesn't learn from it yeah you know right. so then i gave him two purple eyes so he can see himself in the middle and remember <laughs> to not be no, an asshole. <laughs> so I'm that... Sure, they, they are newborn fishes by now. like this, you know.
2: Yeah, They'll of course. Just
6: join the church.
2: <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> but then, then last year you were at a bar and a bouncer messed with you and you 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 uh, beat up the bouncer, right?
6: Yeah, it was actually the uh, the, the head of the door, the guy who takes care of the door. He had like seven bouncers with him, and he was very insulting, insulting to everybody. The reason why I actually went there to get him. Uh, it was not even because of me because he saw me before, but I saw him insulting uh, a couple. There was there was too much, you know. And for you to have an idea that after the next day that this happened, I had at least 10 layers of people that were harassed by him, and, uh-huh. and he was one of the most hated guys in this business, you know. But for uh, the moment that I shot and I took him down and I knocked him, he stopped crying. I
2: <laughs> I yeah, I, I was gonna say he should I host cool Bouncer Beatdown.
6: Yeah. yeah, it's every, every every tough guy when, when he's he's to become the nail, you know, they decide not to, <laughs> yeah. to be tough anymore. And then because it was why are you beating me up, what did I do to you, please? <laughs> How can you hit someone like this? Right. You know, it, so he spoiled my he spoiled my unique experience that I could have. Mm.
2: I crying. <laughs> then, then there was a guy Then there was a guy who tried to get your daughter to smoke weed at a concert and you took his head he in, and he put I it was, in the toilet? It
6: wasn't was weed. It was beer. Beer. I tried to give beer to my daughter. I'm on my daughter's concert and well, the guy's trying to, to give beer to my daughter. I said, she's a minor. She's a like, hey, Could you please? And he started making fun of me. You know? Wow. And then he looked at me and he goes, what are you going to do about it? Oh. You know? And there was two more girls with him. And at that moment, they put some money together. The guy goes to grab beer for the three of them. And I was able... And he was drinking so much beer because I knew he was going to go in the bathroom. He needed to use the bathroom drinking that much beer. So he, when he went in the bathroom, I went after him. And you should have seen a surprise when he walked <laughs> in the stall and I come right after him.
2: Uh, <laughs> so wait, so he you put it... In- Psych, so you yeah. put his head in the in the actual toilet? I choked him out to put
5: his head inside the toilet. Right? <laughs> it wasn't a good smelling toilet. Was- oh, and at a concert too, yeah. that's
0: the worst yeah. toilet yeah. experience like, of <laughs>
5: is the, the concert
0: toilet. There's no coming push. back from that.
2: <laughs> he probably still smells like pee. Well, I mean, why would you, first yeah. of all, you're trying to get a, a, a young sure. a young girl drunk and then Henzo Gracie's daughter. Yeah, uh, and, uh, he's and he's like, stop, and he's like, oh
5: man, yeah. he asked for it. And, and my wife, <laughs> it was a situation that
6: my wife, my wife, was angry. my wife was like, what's wrong with this guy? And, and he keeps making fun of me. He looks at me. What are you going to do about it? Are you pissed? Are you angry?
5: What are you going to do about it? He just
2: kidding. These I kids have no...
5: They got no respect. <laughs> and and my, yeah, yeah.
2: They have no idea. And then I told him, uh,
6: you cannot you cannot uh, go back to your seat. I, I was choking him a couple of times. Give him the, 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 the raccoon shoe. Then I told him, if I see you back on your seat, I'm going to finish the job. I'm going to knock all your teeth out. So I don't want to see you on the arena anymore. Time for you to go home. And then I... he goes, the guy who disappeared, didn't see him again. But I couldn't relax, because you never know, you know? Yeah. So now it's come back. So I'm there, still tense And the women that, that were sitting with him, they're pissed. They thought the guy took the money and left. Right. So they're like, like, where did this guy <laughs> go? Where's my Where's my I told don't believe Tell me back.
2: <laughs> You're like a really, superhero. Yeah, right. really. You, you, yeah. you really, are like, you really should have your own show. <laughs> yeah. Now, now I was looking yeah. at some of your fights. Uh, you, there was a fight that you had against Eugenio Tado. The fans rioted so bad. Uh-huh. It, it was, it was a, it was a, a draw. Yes, it was. Uh, it was a draw. No contest. Whatever the hell they call
6: But basically, it's uh, every time. What happened is they invaded the the, the attempt. And they sued the ghetto guys, because Eugene used to run like a, used to, to run with a lot of drug dealers in the ghetto in Brazil. Mm-hmm. So they surrounded the cage, and they actually, they want to cancel the fight. And I said, no, 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 don't worry. I go not that. The guy the, the cage is surrounded. There's people with guns. There's people with knives. I said, my man, when that gate locks, it's me and him. And I'll get the crap out of him. So I go in. We go at each other, you know. And every time on my back, I, I actually got stabbed on that day. I got sliced on the, when my back was to touching the, 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 the cage. And I was getting kicked every time I had my head, you know, touching the cage and cool. I have all that on face. And on that moment, one of the guys kicking me, I saw him and I said, I mean, what's wrong with you? My sister can kick harder than you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and this, the fight is going on.
2: Wait, wait, hold so on. In that...
6: one of those moments, uh-huh.
2: Let me get this straight. So wait, you're in a fight. There's a drug dealers, uh-huh. there's drug dealers with guns around the cage. Every time you, yes. you your back is in the cage and somebody stabs you and you keep fighting. Yeah,
6: they, they, they cut to me, I kept fighting. That was no problem. Everything was healthy until then. You know? <laughs> so on that moment, they break up the fight, they pull us apart because Eugene was a little bit away from me. I was laying down doing guard. So they tell me to get up. When I stand up, this guy that was kicking me the whole time, he sticks his head inside the cage, cursing at me, you know? So I'm looking at Eugenio, like I'm going to move forward, and I hit him right in the nose, the guy on the cage, you know? I caught him. When he fell from the cage, my brother kicked him in the head. <laughs> so then the whole fight, yeah, the whole fight broke, you know? So and that, then it was like 400
2: people fighting at the same time. Holy, it turned into a melee. Oh Jesus. my God. That's. Uh, does anybody have a tape of that? Oh, yes, yes. It's like, I got a call
6: back. You see it. Is just but for you you have an idea, when I, I, I finished, I flew back to the United States because I had a fight in Japan right after. So I flew back. And it was on the news here in the United States. The 20 most shocking moments in you know, all those TV yeah, shows. Yeah, 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 One of them, this one. <laughs> then I fly to Japan. It's on all
2: the news in Japan through oh two my. days
6: later. You know? That's
2: insane. Yeah. I've never even heard of that. Yeah. Uh, uh unbelievable experience. I can. Now, your, your fight with Sakuraba uh, was one of the... Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that was an amazing fight. Uh, do you, think, yeah, do you yeah. think if he hadn't caught you in the last minute, you would have won that fight? I
6: think so. I thought everything was under control. I think I'll be no problem. My view I could control him. I was winning the fact of seventeen seconds actually to finish. You know? Yeah. And I knew everything was good. And I got caught. I didn't realize how strong he was on that move, you know. And when I caught him recently I felt that strength that he had by like uh, why he's so strong in a kimura, you know. Today I realized how much leverage he has from that position. So my elbow came out, and Sakurami started calling the rat. His elbow is broken speaking in Japanese. And I keep telling the rat, no, 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 don't worry. This happens all the time. You know, the <laughs> oh my God. Oh my <laughs> <Yeah>. God. <laughs> and the ref, him and the rat started talking in Japanese, and they stopped the fight, you know? Oh. I Man, this happens all the
2: time. Don't worry. Let me put it back. <laughs> I, no, <laughs> your elbow, your elbow. I mean, I was watching it last night with my girlfriend, and she was screaming in pain. She had never seen yeah. an, an elbow like that before. Now, I, <laughs> now, <laughs> now, you. The word is that you didn't want him to know that you were hurt because he, because he, because he, he beat Hoyce, uh, so that you didn't even Gosh. go to, you didn't even go to the He's hospital. Like, what are,
6: well what, what, what really pissed me off when people get hurt in there they, they this is not soccer,'re not playing football, soccer, you know, Where people act like they are hurt, yeah, there's mess that you' supposed to get hurt if you're going in there, it's like uh, we always say if you're afraid to use the restroom, don't eat the, <laughs> 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 so if you really you know, and this is yeah but, but, but uh, yeah, okay. but your
2: elbow was completely out of socket, and to this you hadn't you'd never went to the hospital, huh. No,
6: I actually, they, they tried to cast it. I removed it. And actually, two weeks and a half later, I was surfing. I almost drowned. Me and Luca Tara from racing Magazine, we were surfing huge waves in Bell's Beach, Australia. And because of my arm, I almost drowned. Oh. <laughs> I didn't have all the movement yet.
5: <laughs> he goes you surfing know? two weeks later. <laughs> two weeks later, he's surfing Not the big, big waves
1: of <laughs> <all laughs> Australia.
2: Now, you could be, uh, yeah, that was insane. Now, uh... Now, some of the guys that you've uh, some of the guys now that the the Frank Shamrock fight, right? I mean, you were dominating uh-huh. Frank Shamrock the whole time. Then he kicks you, he knees you twice in the top of the head, and then he gets mm-hmm. disqualified. You won. Do you and Frank did you guys ever make up, or is there still bad blood? No, no, I don't have bad
6: blood. Anybody that I have a bad a bad blood fight, them, I hit them. <laughs> you know, I'm very professional. That was a an event. In reality, could I keep fighting? Yes, I could have kept fighting. But I, my cousin Fiza went to look at the scoreboard. Even though I was dominating him for two rounds, even with the point that they took it out, they were giving the victory to him. So it was everything set up. It was a boxing promoter promoting the event. Okay, and, so now, wow. and immediately I understood why they only won a one-fight deal with me, you know? They, they had uh, Frank up as their fighter. They signed Frank up and Frank ended up fighting uh, Nick Diaz later. they yeah. ended up losing to Nick Diaz after that. The reality is, now I understand why he walk uh, He walked in the event under the Bruce Springsteen song, uh, Born in the USA. <laughs> 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 was, so everything, my cousin came over and goes, there's no way you win if you're gonna win this fight. They have you, even with this point that they took it out, you're still losing both rounds. You know, they did it in a way that all he has to do is survive. And that's what he was doing. He was starting the whole fight, just grabbing, not trying, nothing, you know? Yeah. So I said, let me take the winners and then I work, I work out with them again to do another one. And then they didn't, they didn't want to work out. They just want to keep Frank, you know?
2: Some of, some of the stuff you no, did.
6: I had no blood, bad blood, blood, uh, blood against him.
2: One of the Always fights... The one, of, the one of my favorite moments ever in fighting was when you, you're fighting Matt Hughes and he, uh, he uh, is toward, a, like, toward the end of your career. He drops you. You were clearly tired. You actually put your hand out for him to lift you up.
6: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He <laughs> was kicking my leg. My leg was swollen. I couldn't walk proper. And I'm going to the front floor, and his mom's coming. So I said, Matt, okay, we're not going to fight the ground. Give you a hand to get up here, please. <laughs> <laughs> and
2: he did. He's an unbelievable being. I, I really, never saw yeah, anything number, like that. Uh, that was one of the funniest yeah. things. That, the, the guy, he, yeah. he lifts him up. Now, you're actually you're taking on Matt Hughes coming up, right? Yes, yes. I, um, I, I, I just I found out uh, three weeks ago that I
6: actually had a torn ACL. Oh, on
0: the last no. match, I had with sakurama
6: on the, the metamorals, on the, on the yeah. So I had the surgery two weeks and a half ago, and right now I'm recouping, and I, I hope to be ready to put a beautiful match with, uh, with my brother Matthews, you know? I can't wait.
2: Gotcha. Uh, yeah, I'd love to see it. That's going to be fun. Now, you're also yeah. uh, you're the personal jiu-jitsu coach of Sheikh Mohammed Bin Zayed, Al Nayin, yes. the Crown Prince uh-huh. of Abu Dhabi. Now are you just yeah. like now when you go to Abu Dhabi, you get the royal treatment or what?
6: My dear friend, I, I've been working to Abu Dhabi for twenty years, you know, and anybody who's a guest of the sheikhs feel like a, a royal, you know, <laughs> feel like your royalty because it's they treat you so good, the country's so unbelievable, the food, the 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 the, the warmth of the people and how you know, it's always a unique experience. It's I've been going there for 20 years, you know, we became friends 20 years ago, and every time I have a chance, I'm there, you know, with them, and uh, they are, they become unbelievable jujitsu people, today they have jiu in school, so the school system, instead of teaching just physical education, they have jujitsu as an option, oh, wow. and the last time I was there, I watched four competitions in different areas of the country. With 900 kids on each competition, you know? Wow. So for sure, it's going to be Abu Dhabi is already so but it's going to be even a bigger force in the Jiu-Jitsu community in the world real soon.
2: That's awesome. That's awesome. awesome. Now, uh, now, yeah. now one, of the, one of the things I was watching about you is that your students, they speak so highly of you. And, and they're not just like regular students. We're talking about like Chris Weidman and, uh, and Frankie Edgar. Yeah. Now, what did you tell Chris Weidman to help him beat Anderson Silva?
6: It's, uh, I knew, you know, I knew Anderson Field would have a lot of trouble fighting Chris. What people don't realize, Chris is a very, very tough guy. You know, it's like he's, two times, he's a few times, division world wrestler, All-American. He's jiu-jitsu, he's, 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 When he was a purple belt, he fought Andre Galvão, who's one of the top jiu-jitsu guys. Andre Galvão came to me and said, this guy was the toughest fight I ever had in my life. See, this kid, when he becomes a black belt, is going to be something out of this world. And it's, it's true. And, and on top of that, he's a very big kid, you know, with a big ball kid who, for the first time, Anderson, fight in Anderson Silva fighting someone a big fight, you know, and that has a great jiu-jitsu, great striking with Ray Longo. You know, Ray really puts him to spar and overlooks everything on, on that aspect of the fighting. And Matt Sarah is there constantly pushing Chris forward. You know, I was just very fortunate to move to the right side of this amazing country and, and be able to touch this amazing human beings that I, you know, I, I helped to become a champion. You know, George Santier, yeah, uh, uh, Matt Sarah, Nick Sarah, Chris Weidman, Frank Edgar, Ricardo Almeida. You know, the, 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 I cannot even be mentioned all of them right now. There's so many that it's, it's insane. You
2: know? So uh, Edgar I was versus. Very glad
6: I was part of that.
2: So Edgar versus Faber, uh, you're obviously picking Edgar, but uh, how, do you think he's, how do you think Frankie's going to win?
6: It's, it's difficult to keep the pace with Edgar, my friend. Edgar is a guy, you have to understand, Edgar was a champion at 155, and he could easily, he's such a small guy, he could easily be fighting uh, 135. You know, easily, because he was doing 155 without losing weight. He was the smallest 155 i five I've ever seen in my life. You know, and uh Faber has Faber is a very tough, very talented kid, but he has his hands full fighting everywhere, you know, because it's a no stop action and last time I saw him training he was moving like a bullet, his jiu-jitsu is improving, every aspect. Look at his last fight against Cubs Wilson was was unbelievable. He didn't stop until he got the sub the submission, you know, so it's, it's going to be a fast fight for, for Faber, you know
2: you know it's crazy about all the guys that you train, the Frankie Edgar, the Weidman, uh, you know even uh, you know the, the chris the Chris Wyman, Frankie Edgar, all these guys made they 're very humble guys they're, they're New York humble guys. so what do you think like when you see today Conor McGregor stealing jose Aldo 's belt saying i 'm the best ever <laughs> saying i, I can 't wait to smell your pussy, stuff like that. What do you think yeah, of, yeah, What do you think yeah, of a guy yeah. like that? Yeah.
6: It's like, uh, where I come from, you, you don't get away with this, you know? That's the reason why my fight with Ben Spiker, I stomped on his head after it was done, you know? And I told him during the weekend saying, I said, I'm going to keep cracking jokes like this. You better not stay on this hotel because I will get you. You're going to wake up to get out <laughs> I mean, of the room or be at the door.
5: He's a superhero. It's very,
6: it's, but at the same time, if you realize, Conor McGregor is a very talented kid he was able because right now it's a business, you know, and and sometimes people lack respect and they are able to reach a title fight much quicker than that they wouldn't if they right. didn't they didn't the do hype. that, you know, so, so in reality we're it's like we're gonna watch a fight. I honestly think uh the the, the Aldo will win the match, you know, because Conor, uh, Connor even though he's very tough he doesn't have the experience yet. You know, he should have did a couple more fights. I think they rush him too much to to a, a guy experienced as Aldo right now. But it's so it's going to be an interesting match. And like you said, like this, you can never predict. If I could, one day I sat down to predict fights. From ten fights, I actually was able to 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 be right and only two. I miss eight. So it's like, and I knew everybody that was fighting. So in reality, that fighting is a surprise box. It can go either way every single time. You know, with those small walks, you get hit. You, you wake up asking what happened, you
2: know? Uh, by the way, Henzo, uh, so the co host, is Mar- I don't know if you know this, Marina Shafir. She's a second degree black belt in judo, and you actually gave her her purple belt.
0: Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm from Bruno, Bruno's school up in Albany. Uh,
6: of course I know. I'm a big fan. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And you're the co-host. Yeah. Huh? You shouldn't be talking more.
0: I like what are talking <laughs> about. <laughs> it's really funny you say that. <laughs> you're, keeping, you're keeping yourself quietly. Down I'm listening. Side. I'm <laughs> listening to... I'm actually learning some, some <laughs> shit here, so... It's uh, all good I with think, me. Uh, good talking to you. Yeah.
6: You like it? What was that? I was like, you
0: like
6: it? You like it? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. She, she actually, today she announced she signed with Invicta today. Yeah. Ah, that's beautiful. I can't
0: I'm wait excited. to
6: fight you again. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. I was fight well.
0: Yeah, I'm yeah, really me. excited about it. Yeah. So it's no, time.
6: You're the you. yeah, yeah, I was very high
0: Yeah, I I miss him a lot. I miss him a yeah. lot. But that this is, really is awesome.
6: Very How special guy?
0: When is the next uh, belt ceremony?
6: We're supposed to have towards the end of the last year, but I I will do it one to see You're gonna be a special guest. going to get your butt here. So it's <laughs> okay. A
0: with us. I'm so down. It's a deal. I'm I'm it's ready. On.
6: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice, Marina. Nice.
2: <laughs> well, listen, Henzo, it was such an honor to have you on the podcast. You have no idea. You are a true legend. Mm-hmm. We'd love to have you on any time. Thank you, man. That, thank
6: you so much. my pleasure, my brother. My pleasure. It's great talking to you guys. Thanks for everything. Marina, a big, a big Brazilian uh, I'm
0: taking it. You I'm taking it. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank,
2: thank, thank you. you. That was Henzo Gracie.
0: Henzo Gracie,
2: big Brazilian hug.
0: That's the only one that ends with a tap out. Big Brazilian (laughs) badass Jesus.
2: Yeah, is that crazy?
0: Wow, talk about a guy righting the
5: wrongs. No,
0: honestly though, it's really good that he's doing. He's doing that is because this is why people train so they can protect themselves. Essentially, like you train so you have a skill set to protect yourself in the street because you know. Robberies and shit like that, that, that that's thats real shit. That shit happens. I
5: love the way, though, he's lived in New York so long that his accent has kind of morphed into an Italian. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm making a pizza pie uh, with the pepperoni. And I shove his face in the pepperoni. I give him the pepperoni eyes. Uh,
2: and then it's we just, have the gabagool. It's just so funny, though. Like, out of all the people to rob, you rob right. Henzo Gracie. Right. I mean, uh, why Who's don't you? Tweeting? But maybe because it's dark out, you don't see the huge cauliflower ears. And exactly. Like, like, you know, like, he, to me, looks like the kind of guy that you wouldn't, you'd be like, no, not him. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's that shows how desperate some people are. I mean, yeah. for money. You and, and then also, well, someone, then some idiot at the concerts. Like, what are you gonna do about it? Again,
5: look at the ears, bro. <laughs> if they have cauliflower ears, he's gonna do
2: something about this. And <laughs> Brazil- then the girls were like, "Where would he go with our money?" <laughs> a Brazilian guy with cauliflower right ears. Yeah. Yeah. like, "That's are the you're, guy whose daughter you, you you're try to get beard to <laughs> And he's with two other girls already. This jerk <laughs> Yeah, what a moron. <laughs> but it, that it, guy like, was
5: roided up that guy was roided yeah, imagine up imagine having your you get
2: choked out in the bathroom imagine like seeing the guy in the bathroom that's gotta be your worst like you're at a concert you're kinda drunk
5: the, the concert bathroom is the grossest uh, of all bathrooms
2: so funny like people
5: just start pissing at the door <laughs> uh, and just piss on their way into uh, it and then shit on the walls like it is the grossest thing available it yeah.
2: such a nice guy and he seems like such a nice guy but like, also a guy that you just don't want to fuck with never yeah. you know uh, even uh-huh. even watching his old fights that 's what I love about fight pass honestly is that you get to watch these old fights and they ha- and it 's like it 's only like ten bucks a month you can watch all the you know honestly You're
0: plugging it in no no, I actually do like it
2: <laughs> because because like for me to, it almost was impossible before because the Zuffa would take them down off youtube you have to go to yeah. some some weird
0: janky website Japanese
2: website yeah. or something and, yeah. but now you get they 're all lined up like I watched thirty henzo Gracie fights and, and you and it 's amazing you watch these guys like you know, bare knuckle, that yeah. they weren't using gloves. Wow. You know, uh, and, and it, I mean, it was just, even, before, like, even the guys, you know, head, head butts were allowed, and, and, wow. and you know, like, we had a guy, uh, So it was real brawling in there. Last week, we had, we had, we had two, so we had Gary Goodrich on, yeah. who said he, he removed the guy's cup, and squeezed the guy's balls. And this guy was a, a world champion arm wrestler. He said
0: he made peanut butter.
2: <laughs> he made peanut butter out of his nuts. Oh
0: my God.
2: <laughs> and that was the way he won the fight.
5: Oh, wow. <laughs> and I, I love that he won the fight that way. Like, <laughs> Legal winner. Winner by peanut butter submission. <laughs>
0: peanut butter submission. <laughs> <laughs> winner by. Wait, can peanut we call butter. it the peanut
2: butter bar? The peanut butter bar? Like a like an arm bar? Oh, or the peanut, like, butter, yeah, the peanut bar. Yeah. butter bar. peanut butter Jesus Christ. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I can imagine the, the guy's a world champion arm. His grip must be so tight. Mm. And to have him just grab your balls in the middle of a fight. And, and, just, and just squeeze <laughs> as much as hard as you can. And he was proud of it. He's yeah. like, look. He's like, they said there were no rules. They probably popped no, like zits. No, no, rules is like pap is, pap. no rules is no rules. That's what he said. No rules. No <laughs> rules is no rules. You're right. Speaking of which, uh, starting next week, we're going to have uh, a legendary... A, a fighter legend story We're gonna have uh, Next week we have Don Fry calling in Oh and, I love this And he's gonna tell us A legendary night story so er, Yeah
1: so, I love this idea So every week We're gonna have Gary Goodman